welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Wygen. Purple Mafia is available on all your favorite podcasting apps. Thank you once and always for downloading and listening to the show. It is a great pleasure to be back on board with you once again today, and in yet another back and forth, crazy, up and down, rough and tumble, divisional NFC North matchup with the Chicago Bears. The Minnesota Vikings escape with the victory in a final score of 29 to 22. Well, all right then. It was just another back and forth game. Looked like the Vikings were going to blow this team right out of the water. Of course not. Of course, the momentum shifts to the Chicago Bears pretty dramatically into the second half. The Vikings defense stops tackling. Uh, <laughs> Fields is starting to be able to complete some passes. The shell defense starts taking over again, and you get the uh, fire. <laughs> you start getting the fire Donatel messages in the you know the chat rooms and such, and you know message boards during the course of uh, fan line and such. Vent line, vent line on YouTube for Score North and all that. Uh, Kirk Cousins completed his first 17 passes. That's an absolutely spectacular statistic. It's a franchise record for the Minnesota Vikings as he eclipsed Tommy Kramer for that one, who had 16 in a row. Congratulations, Kirk Cousins. After that, not so great, except for a great final drive, you could say. Unbelievably, in a game where Kirk Cousins looked as sharp as he did for as long as he did, he wound up with a quarterback rating below 100 with uh, 94.7, including a very frustrating interception where, literally, the play was read perfectly by Kendall Vildor. (laughs) An incredible play, obviously, making the interception. Reading the play perfectly, kind of just taking it away. Uh, Gordon almost had an interception, as well as the ball was thrown just a few inches, maybe about six inches out of reach, if if that. It might have been more like three inches out of reach, where luckily Justin Jefferson was able to get to it instead. So Kirk Cousins able to throw through a window there to get the ball to where only Justin Jefferson could get it, but oh, so close, and that could have been a disaster had a pick six happened there. Um, again, Chicago Bears defense showed up to play for the most part. Only one sack in the game, but still, it felt like a hell of a lot more. Kirk Cousins hurried a bit. Offensive line was decent today, not great. The defense, the shell defense, is starting to kind of show what it is more and more every single week. Amazingly, Ryan Wright only punted one time, and it was a 15-yard punt. That was pretty frightening. Obviously, kind of blocked and all that. Uh, just a mess. Kind of special teams had a terrible day, to be blunt. Uh, last week, they were absolutely spectacular special teams. Uh, Greg Joseph missed both of his kicks. One was blocked. The other was just flat out missed from uh, 51 yards out. So, pretty frustrating there. Again, the other one blocked. At least he made all three of his extra points. So, well, now he's making his extra points and he's missing both of his kicks. Greg Joseph, again, one of them was blocked in the game. Cairo Santos made everything, including a 51-yarder, which put the Bears in the lead for the first time and only time in the game when the Bears jumped ahead 22-21. It <laughs> made us all feeling like, oh, goody, here we go. And it's like, okay, well, if and when we score a touchdown, of course we're going to go for two with that type of situation. The Bears were unable to convert on their two-point conversion when they uh, scored their touchdown, Justin Fields, to Vellis Jones Jr. in the game. Obviously got the Bears within five. That was their first. That wasn't their first. It was their second touchdown. David Montgomery obviously scored earlier to make it 21-10 near the end of the half. And you just kind of knew because the Bears were going to get the ball back in the second half. You just kind of knew the back of your mind 
this game is going to get real close real fast, isn't it? And yes, it did. Again, the Vikings taking a 21-3 lead. Everything looked great. Uh, you thought, man, we're going to really blow these guys out. The offense looks creative. The offense looks fun. It looks innovative. And you're just kind of making plays that, you know, the other coaching staffs hadn't made in quite a while and such. Uh, reverse to Jalen Rager for his first touchdown as a Minnesota Viking. Obviously not a, uh, it actually technically was a pass. It was a great play. It was a reverse type of play. Counted as a pass officially for a touchdown, which was nice. And Delvin Cook, I predicted he'd score two touchdowns and get 100 yards. He got the two touchdowns and uh, 94 yards. Fine, damn it, but I guess maybe he has lost a step a little bit or half of a step. Maybe he's lost half of a step because they, they talked even about he's got that third gear, and blah, 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 but but does he? The announcers, that is, talked about that Delvin Cook has the third gear. It, it, sometimes it doesn't feel like he has it anymore. Um, yeah, a little more burst. He probably would have gotten a few more yards, if not maybe really broke loose for some big plays. Again, a long of 15, a long of 15 in a game when Delvin Cook averaged 5.2 yards a carry. So, again, consistency was great. Like, smash mouth, tackle ball, football, and I kind of expected that. But I was hoping for 100-plus yards and two touchdowns. Again, he did get in the end zone twice. Good job. But missed my other prediction by six stinking yards. So I would have lost in my little prediction. Uh, we'll get to him in a moment. Amir <laughs> Smith-Marset, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yep. Uh, Irv Smith caught almost everything coming his way. There was one play that was overthrown or missed or whatever. But Irv Smith a little better and some nice blocking. Clearly, he's not going to be a star. Uh, Irv Smith is no star tight end. Uh, he might not even be a starting tight end, really, long-term in this league. A lot of people are have been kind of giving up on him, and I kind of don't blame them. Uh, but at least the blocking's there. I think he has a role in this team and all that, but I don't think he's going to be this number one tight end who's going to, you know, go to Pro Bowls every year or anything crazy like that. It'd be nice, but it just doesn't look realistic. It does look realistic that Justin Jefferson will be in a Pro Bowl every single season, even though a lot of people think, oh, the Pro Bowl, who cares? Teddy Bridgewater went to the Pro Bowl. You know, look at Teddy Bridgewater. He's just a backup. Yeah, he's better than a backup, but at least he was before the injury. Uh, Justin Jefferson, yes, the Pro Bowl does mean something for the most part, especially if you're a receiver, for the most part. There's, there's a lot of talented players in the skill positions, like wide receiver and running back and such. 154 yards, 12 catches, of course, in the second half was much, much less <laughs> much less exciting for Minnesota Viking fans than the first half. Justin Jefferson had already eight catches in the first half. It was absolutely great. Johnny Munt with a couple of, uh, you know, the check down plays, six yards total, <laughs> which is funny. One for four, one for two. That's great. And then Jalen Rager did get in the end zone with a one-yard play. Again, it was, a, it was a reverse type of play, but ultimately counted as a pass, I guess. Uh, and it felt like a million bucks. I kept thinking that was more of a rush, but okay, it was a good play. Whatever it was, it was a good play. Um, you got to see Justin Jefferson heave the ball for 23. No, he didn't heave the ball for 23 yards. That would be like if I wasn't watching the game, right? No, it was actually a side pass to, to Delvin Cook, which wound up being a 23-yard play. Pretty cool. That was his long, of course. The other was just a quick check down for four yards from Kirk Cousins. But it was, yep, the ball, you know, Kirk Cousins, basically sideways over to Justin Jefferson, just kind of over to the sidelines, and Justin Jefferson all the way over to the other sideline. It was a pretty long throw and a very accurate throw, and then Delvin Cook was all by himself and was able to make a little juke and jive and such for 23 yards. 
to get the Vikings in a you know very good range to lead, uh, to lead to a score, and that's where the offense felt so fun and so innovative, and ultimately the regular touchdown made us all feel pretty nice. Nwangwu continues to get yards as I go way off into a different planet here. <laughs> he averaged 24 yards in his kickoff, so that's pretty cool. And obviously where the punt returns, it's just fair catch, 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 fair catch. That's all it pretty much has turned into when it comes to uh, punt returns in the NFL these days. Fair catch Cheryl's, right? Well, that's all anybody is now. Not that Cheryl's was bad. Uh, Daniel Hunter said today would be a breakout game. It kind of looked like it, didn't it? Six total tackles, and he had his sack. Felt like a million bucks. That was really cool. And again, mostly in the first half when Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears offense looked like poo. And it looked like this game was going to be a final score of 31-3 to or something even higher. Or 38-6 or something like that. You know, just not a whole lot to get excited about for Bears fans. But this Bears team has hung in there all freaking season, a lot like a certain other team in the NFC that's actually better than the Bears right now. And we'll get to them in the second segment. I think a lot of you know who that is. In fact, it'll be quite late in the second segment because I'll usually do it. <laughs> I think a lot of you know who that is, and it's a team that's owned a certain other team for over a decade, actually. They pretty much owned them, but doesn't matter. <laughs> they keep they keep they keep winning anyway, regardless if they own them or not. Um, this was again a tale of two halves, but luckily again Kirk Cousins clutch in the end when it mattered. Thank God, Vikings offense shows up one last time to get <laughs> to get the job done again. Dalvin Cook with a lot of nice runs that wound up being something. None of them spectacular, but they were you know guts and glory type of yardage. They weren't you know, explosive plays where, oh my God, he broke this tackle, and there he goes, you know, for 38 yards. Oh, somebody caught up to him, but 38 yards, though, he had that burst, this and that, or going all the way. I don't think that's going to happen a whole lot with Delvin Cook this year. Most of his touchdowns are going to be short, and it is what it is. It's crazy to think Delvin Cook is already getting to a point where he might be, like, he's hit the ceiling, and that's, and it's all kind of a slow downhill ride. But luckily, hopefully, it'll be a slow downhill ride. Not like a, oh boy, holy crap, what happened to this guy? He can't play anymore. Nothing crazy like that. Like the Danny and Tomlinson went from basically a superstar to a, you know, almost nothing for a while. It was so sad. Um, Peterson, not quite like that. It was more of a slower decline. Fields looked awfully good in the second half, didn't he? Uh, and he didn't turn the ball over. But a certain other player did. And we'll get back to that again very shortly. <laughs> David Montgomery stopped quite often. Again, the Vikings' run defense was significantly better in the game against the running back. But against mobile quarterbacks, which has been the Achilles heel for this Minnesota Vikings defense. Dating back to the 98 team. Honest to God. A mobile quarterback was always a pain in the ass. And a very powerful fullback has always been a pain in the ass for this Minnesota Vikings team. Dating back to before the 98 Vikings, actually. Honestly, because I remember getting always pissed off and frustrated. You play against this mobile quarterback, even though he's mediocre. It'd always be a headache for us. And it was always the case, like a mobile quarterback or a powerful fullback like Mike Allstott. And that's the reason why the Vikings lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for their only loss in the regular season. And again, that son of a gun... <laughs> Dirty Bird, whatever he was. J- Jamal Anderson kind of powered his way through Minnesota. More of a powerful running back, but whatever. Vikings just couldn't get the job done in that one either. Um, 
it seems like that's been a weakness for this franchise forever. A, a, a kryptonite, so to speak. Mobile quarterbacks. And I don't know. I don't know when that's going to ever be solved. We can gobble up the run and all that, but those mobile quarterbacks have just been a big problem. And Justin Fields proved to be a problem today. Quarterback rating of 118.8. I'm sure he'll take that any day of the week, except the fact that a certain wide receiver that played for Minnesota for the last year, at least two years, wound up kind of screwing up at the end. Twice. He screwed him twice. Let's talk to him now. Let's talk about him now. Amir Smith-Marset, former Minnesota Viking. I can only imagine how terrible he feels right now and how frustrated and angry he is. Justin Fields looked like Michael Vick, exploding down the field. Vikings missed the tackles, and then Justin Fields turned on the Jets in for a touchdown, and it's like, oh boy, this is really going south real quick here. And then all of a sudden, there's a flag, and I'm thinking, oh wow, cool, I, we're, we're saved. It's some, some, some holding call or something. And it ended up being, of all people, Amir Smith-Marset with a behind-the-back block, like block from behind the back, whatever. And, ugh, really? And it's like you're beginning to look and see why maybe the Vikings moved on from Amir Smith-Marset. Just, I don't know, maybe he just doesn't have the mental game down. Um, made, made a catch that looked like it was going to be a problem when the Bears would have another shot at tying the game up. The Bears had time, plenty of time. They had a single timeout, but they had plenty of time, over a minute, to do some damage, maybe tie the game up, maybe pull a Mike Tice and win the game with a uh, two-point conversion or whatever. <laughs> two-point conversion. I don't know if they do that, but take their chances in overtime because they had all the momentum. They really did. Other than that one awesome Viking drive that wound up scoring, thank God, uh, the Bears had momentum in a lot of ways, especially if they score that touchdown. Of course they have momentum. Watch them win the toss and, you know, Justin Fields breaks loose for a touchdown or something crazy. It could it could have happened. But Amir Smith-Marset made a catch, was going to be a sure first down, and they're just, I don't know. You want to go out of bounds. You only have one timeout. Why gamble? Why force? Why try to force another yard or two in a play? Trying to force yourself in bounds. A lot of players get injured that way, honestly. Like knee injuries and stuff. Their knee gets twisted. The next thing you know, they're out for, you know, nine months or whatever. Uh, that's what happened to Robert Smith way, way back in the day. Uh, on one of the plays against Detroit. I mean, I still remember that kind of stuff, which is really weird. Um, but it's like, why injure yourself or 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 cost your team the game literally cost your team the game because all the Vikings had to do was go into victory formation as Amir Smith Marset had the ball stripped from Cam Dancer who had an awesome game maybe his best game as a Viking maybe or maybe not he had a bunch of tackles that doesn't mean he was thrown to quite a bit and he was beat a bit so maybe he wasn't the player of the game or anything but in a lot of ways he, he was the hero and I remember th thinking that as I was watching that in the fourth quarter, the Vikings need a hero right now to change everything here because Kirk Cousins had the Fran Tarkington in the bag, basically, in the first half. But after that third quarter in the first half or so of, of the fourth quarter, somebody else has to take this. You know, the <laughs> the Vikings need they, the, the, they need a Fran Tarkington Award winner of the day to win this game. It's going to be whoever it is. They need a hero. They need something spectacular to happen. Is it Dalvin Cook breaking loose? For a long touchdown, which doesn't happen anymore. Kirk Cousins with a spectacular throw or something. Or a great defensive play. Like a pick six, a fumble six, or merely an, or an interception generally that just ends the game for the Bears or a strip of the ball. And that ended up being Cam Danster stripping the ball away. 
never really felt that Danster was bad in the game. But again, he did get beat enough that he had to make eight tackles in the game as well. Was uh, obviously beat enough that his tackle numbers were really high. Justin Fields felt comfortable throwing in his direction. Patrick Peterson with four. Harrison Smith, a little better today, I'd have to say. Eric Hendricks was decent. Jordan Hicks was really good. Jordan Hicks and Daniel Hunter were probably the two best defensive players, along with Zadarius Smith. Um, Zadarius Smith and DJ Wanham shared a sack in the game. Those two guys are probably the best. Well, yeah, Hicks. I'd say Hicks was probably, yeah, Hicks and Smith were probably two of the best defensive players on the Vikings today, both in the linebacker position. Absolutely great day for them. But generally speaking, the Vikings defense continues to be something that makes you wonder, you know, is this team good enough to make a great run? Uh, the chances of this Viking team winning 12 games this year are actually super-duper high. 12-5, and five, something like that, and winning a division championship. Very high now, uh, especially with the Miami Dolphins and how things are changing very quickly there. Going from a team that could have been 13-4 and four or beyond to a team that might end up being 10 and 20, 10 and 6 or something and out in the first round for the 99,000th time. Uh, kind of like us. <clears throat> Just kidding. Uh, sort of. <laughs> Not as bad. Not as bad. The Dolphins, but they have, still have two Super Bowls, though. Sons of Biscuits. And we'll be talking about them very shortly. I don't know why I'm jumping ahead about the Dolphins. Just made me thinking about them a little bit, though. Um, but that's who we're playing, of course, next week. Overall, again, the guy that came through in the end was Cam Dancer. It just came to, somebody needs to be a hero or we're going to lose this game. Something huge needs to happen. And Cam Dancer made that play. And Amir Smith-Marset must feel like absolute garbage right now. He literally cost the Bears the game. There's a very strong chance the Bears win this football game with that touchdown by Justin Fields. And, of course, uh, hanging on to the damn ball late in the game. Maybe that would have been the Bears kind of running the clock out, but they probably would have been literally running it, not throwing it in that situation, but maybe. Maybe taking a chance. Um, one way or another, though, Amir Smith-Marset, definitely the uh, <laughs> Cade McNown Memorial for the Chicago Bears. I'm just giving it up right now. Cade McNown Memorial for Amir Smith-Marset. Terrible disappointment for, for him, and I can imagine he's probably scared to death that he's going to get cut there's a pretty good chance. Almost brings back memories of Yo Murphy back in the day. Former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, acquired by the Vikings off of the waiver wire, became immediately became the Vikings kickoff returner, which I don't understand. Fumbled twice in the game, screwed us right in the you-know-what, and we lost. I think that was, what, 2,000? Yep, cost us a huge, huge opportunity. No, 99. Cost us a huge opportunity to possibly win the division, have home field advantage, whatever. And next week, after the Vikings had cut Yo Murphy immediately after the game, because he just screwed us right in the ass, re-signed with the Tampa Bay Bucks. And who are we playing? The Tampa Bay Bucks. Think about it. It's just like, it's conspiracy theories written all over it, that it was all just kind of like Spygate or whatever the heck. Who knows? Weird stuff happens. And, you know, like, who would have believed in Spygate and all that, but well, okay, I, I, I guess. And maybe that kind of stuff was going on. Who knows that he was literally here to sabotage the Minnesota Vikings because he wound up right back with the Bucks immediately after that game. It's just kind of funny. And Amir Smith-Marset, I mean, I don't know. man. It, it just brought back memories of Yo Murphy back in the day. Kickoff returner for the Vikings for one game with two fumbles. Two fumbles that murdered the Vikings and had me and my dad cursing our head off in that game. 
It was just ridiculous. So we'll see what happens with Amir Smith-Marset. We'll try to monitor that. Maybe going into next week and such. Maybe he'll wind up with the Green Bay Packers or something and then fumble there. I don't know. I kind of liked him. And I feel bad. You know, I, I felt kind of bad when Marset got cut. And then now I can only imagine how he feels at the moment. Like his, who knows? Like a day like today could just ruin your career. Uh, wishing him the best, ultimately, at the end of the day. I don't want to see somebody's career just vanish like that. But mm, maybe that's why they cut him. Maybe they saw mental weakness in the guy. Minnesota Vikings are the they there when I talk about that. Uh, again, this shell defense that a lot of us have been complaining and bitching and moaning about. I feel you. Because I'm, as I say those words, complain, bitch, and moan. I'm not making fun of you. I'm saying it's, well, a legitimate gripe that a lot of Minnesota Vikings have. This defense can be better. Absolutely can be better. And having Daniil Hunter drop back into coverage on occasion once, twice, three times a game is kind of weird. It was crappy enough seeing the former Viking linebacker do that. A former disappointing number 55 linebacker do that in the past. He, he very rarely was able to make a play. He usually would get burned royally when he would drop back into coverage. And then instead you're having a defensive end, a defensive end, an edge rusher, who's playing linebacker in this 3-4 thing, 3-4 thing as I like to call it right now, uh, dropping back into coverage. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't. I don't care how athletic and talented he is. It's kind of weird. Defensive ends dropping back into coverage. What have we come to here? What's next? Wide receivers throwing touchdown? Okay, never mind. I know what's happened. Chris Carter threw a touchdown. Or actually, no, it was Randy Moss threw a touchdown to Chris Carter. That <laughs> was kind of funny and cool and everything. Um, <clears throat> so with that said, I'm glad the Vikings were able to survive in this game. I'm sure min min most Minnesota Viking fans will take it. But at the same time, a lot to be concerned about. There always is. Kirk Cousins is never going to be an elite, you know, Mount Rushmore quarterback in the NFL. That's just not who he is. But he certainly does have talent, certainly has accuracy, certainly has special skills, and he can even run for first downs on occasion, which he did today, and he can even power his way through for that incredibly important touchdown late in the game that put the Vikings ahead. So, great game by Kirk Cousins. He just about had the Frank Tarkington Award winner. In fact, you could still give him a co-award or honorable mention. Cam Dantzler saved the day. <clears throat> regardless if he wasn't utterly spectacular out there he saved the day for the Minnesota Vikings getting that massive turnover and literally ruining a former teammate's day like completely ruining his day maybe maybe making him really really like analyze his career at the moment which has got to be a scary moment of course again the blocking from behind helped kill the Bears chances as well the Bears easily could have won this game but Props to the Vikings, props to Kirk Cousins and all that. You know, Delvin Cook hanging on to the ball and staying healthy and all that. And Kirk Cousins getting the job done yet again in a late fourth quarter drive. So, and again, Cam Dantzler coming up big when it mattered most. Maybe it was just a dumb decision by uh, <laughs> Justin Fields. At the end of the day, throwing it to uh, Marset. But, um, I don't know. The guy has speed, he has talent, but... Maybe he just doesn't have it between the ears at the moment. Still kind of coming out of his rookie rookie suit. I don't know what you'd call it. His baby suit <laughs> in the NFL, but I don't know. I'm not sure what to say. Fran Tarkington Award is going to go to Cam Dantzler. Again, strong honorable mention to Kirk Cousins, if not outright, and even Justin Jefferson. Obviously, great game today with the numbers and all that. 
Most people would be like, why wouldn't you just give it to Justin Jefferson? Are you crazy? 154 yards? Well, I'm sorry, Cam Dancer saved the day in the end. So that does count for something uh, in my book. The the Christian Potter Memorial, I'm trying to think of who really sticks out. I mean, Greg Joseph missing the kick and getting blocked, that really sucked. That was really disappointing. He's a strong candidate for that. Uh, overall, just the general shell defense has been driving everybody crazy at the end of the day. Uh, Patrick Peterson got beat a little bit, but he certainly wasn't disappointing, I'd have to say. It was mostly just kind of like it could have been death by a thousand cuts, like bad tackling, the shell defense in general. I just kind of think the whole shell defense and special teams, actually. I think special teams is going to get the Christian Potter Memorial in general, like Ryan Wright getting punt or getting blocked, having a 15-yard punt. Um, Greg Joseph missing both of his kicks. Obviously, again, one of them was blocked, but still, come on, you know. I don't know. But that's on special teams blocking, so it's special teams one way or another. Just like the San Francisco period is now. Robbie Gould was not good as Gould. He got blocked against the Carolina Panthers. It just happened. That's what's flashing on the screen right now here in segment number one. Carolina has been kryptonite for good 49er teams for decades, going all the way back to 94. 95, pardon me. The defending world champion 49ers had just won their most recent and final Super Bowl to this point. And an expansion franchise, Carolina, beat them. I'll never forget that in San Francisco. It was like, what? So they're, they're another one of those weird <laughs> NFC rivals, not division rivals, but NFC rivals, conference rivals, that has been a little bit of a kryptonite for one of the greatest franchises in professional sports during the 80s and 90s. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's just it's interesting. A team that's obviously been to the Super Bowl since, but didn't win, unfortunately for them. With that said... We'll start talking about the rest of the NFC, the AFC, the NFC North, and all that, and preview the Miami Dolphins game coming up for another Nooner next Sunday, right after this. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Time to look around the NFL and all that. And, of course, preview the upcoming game with the Miami Dolphins, the Vikings and the Dolphins history, all that cool stuff and all the drama going on with the Dolphins. One other major thing that I didn't mention in the first segment, uh, Ben Gessling of the Minneapolis Star Tribune reported that on Sunday the Minnesota Vikings could be the first team in NFL history to win in Europe one week and then win back in the United States the next week. So we are the first team in NFL history to do it. This was, of course, I remember hearing about it during the week on, like, Barrero and such, and then I didn't write it down, I didn't think about it, and they didn't really talk about it on the sh- on the broadcast today, and if they did, I apologize, it slipped by me. So, yes, the Vikings are the first team in NFL history to win in Europe one week and then win back in the United States the next week, so congratulations. I guess uh, teams were winless historically after that, like the Vikings versus Pittsburgh years ago and Cleveland and all that nonsense, but... Minnesota Vikings have a wonderful history in Europe. Apparently had been losing afterward like everyone else. Interesting. (laughs) Very, very interesting to say the least. Let's move on as quickly as possible. Vikings and Dolphins, of course, looking forward to that. 
But also you get boring games like Indianapolis and the Denver Broncos, and wow, uh, yuck. Well, at least there was a winner. Indianapolis could have had their second tie of the year. Wouldn't that be cool? But ultimately, they end up winning the game 12-9. to Russell Wilson was an absolute disaster. He was terrible. Matt Ryan was terrible. I mean, think about it. Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson, it seems like yesterday, it was an epic, epic, epic matchup between those two guys. And then now, it's like, okay, it's <laughs> kind of funny. You know, kind of funny to see things drop off because, well, how many times did I really cheer for the Atlanta Hawks? Well, or Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta Falcons, I cheered for them against the Philadelphia Eagles in the divisional round. But other than that, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Not against the Patriots in the Super Bowl or anything. And I was happy about the result, though I do sympathize with Atlanta sports fans in a big way. Big, big way. Just imagine being a part of that. But uh, where am I going? I just go off into La La Land way too often, and I apologize. It was one of the most boring football games I've ever seen. Guys like Horton Sutherland, Michael Pittman, and Alec Pierce were at least factors in the game. Deion Jackson was able to get 4.8 yards in the game, or 4.8 yards per carry, but 62 overall. Melvin Gordon Jr., or Melvin Gordon III anyway, 54 yards on the ground. I don't know, both of the quarterbacks had multiple interceptions, quarterback ratings of 60 or lower. God, and Indianapolis Colts did end up winning, but hey, at least the defense has played super well. If you like defense, good. Yeah, this is a good one. Brandon uh, Bradley Chubb, 2.5 sacks. One for DJ Jones. These are all in Denver. Josie Jewell, one in a, uh, one half sack. Dremont Jones, those two guys shared it. Uh, Baron Browning also shared one and a half at the end of the day. A big, big mess, a big craziness. Indianapolis Colts, DeForest Buckner, excellent player with two sacks, one and a half for Yannick Ngakwe, very familiar guy with the Vikings. Seems like yesterday he was on the Vikings for four games and had five sacks. He was actually really good. And then Oh, it just didn't work out. I, I'm not sure I even understand what that even meant. It didn't work out how. I, 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 I guess. Uh, six games and five sacks. But either way, very productive. And then it didn't work out. Okay, fine. It didn't work out. Whatever that means. Ten sacks. Four. It just didn't work out that we stunk that year. That's what didn't work out. It was a waste. It was a waste uh, bringing him here. And then what's-his-face wasn't healthy. Uh, Daniel Hunter, what's-his-face. I'm sorry. It was really frustrating with the injuries. Last couple of years of Daniel Hunter, so yeah, but Yannick Agakwe now has uh, moved his sack total up to about four, so good for him. Congratulations, Indianapolis. I'm sorry for letting that drag as long as I did. Buffalo versus Pittsburgh. Buffalo Bills, after struggling a little bit, kind of, you know, winning a game, losing a game in both cases, we're not playing so well. So, okay, you split a couple games when you kind of go through some struggles and such, some inaccuracy, and some good defenses. Then you play the Pittsburgh Steelers, which in the past used to mean disaster for Buffalo and everybody else. And you win 38-3. to uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Buffalo won easily. They're 4-1, just like a certain purple club that plays about five miles from where I live, you know, down east, east of here in U.S. Bank Stadium. Josh Allen with four, four touchdowns and one interception. Extremely good game. Case Keenum got to play. Case Keenum's a member of the Buffalo Bills. So maybe Case Keenum will get a ring someday if Buffalo ends their drought before the Minnesota Vikings end their drought. Kenny Pickett threw 52 passes because they were trailing the whole game, threw 327 yards, 
but they got their asses handed to him. No, no touchdowns, one interception. He wasn't that bad, but he wasn't that great either. It was just like, throw the ball. Just, just throw it. Just throw it and see what happens. Just throw the ball. We can't come back. We're down by a billion. So what the hell? Stefan Diggs with 102 yards in the air. Gabe Davis with two touchdowns, 171 yards on just three catches. On just three catches. A 98-yard play with Gabe Davis exploding down the field. Whoo-wee! Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. Fun game. Fun. Fun for Buffalo. And if you're part of Pittsburgh, you're, you were basically what the St. Louis Rams were in 2009. Because they were still in St. Louis, of course, and they were complete garbage. In 2009, I think Spagnuolo was still the coach. I think. Now I'm, before, I'm blanking on who it was and who cares. Um, it was bad. It was really bad. That was a terrible team. The Vikings just kind of slept, walked through that game. And I will admit, I fell asleep. I did do a podcast that day. Yep, and I saw everything I needed to. Uh, the Vikings won 41-7. to I did fall asleep for about a half a quarter, and I'm not kidding. I didn't even realize I'd done it. And I'm oh, my God. Did I miss anything? Nah, I didn't. <laughs> it was that kind of game, so I will admit that did happen. Yeah, but it was a nice win for the Vikings and a very nice win for Buffalo today. Four and one off they go. Cleveland can't buy a, a win, but the L.A. Chargers have struggled off and on this year as well. They're a very, very, very good football team. With like an extremely talented quarterback who might be a Mount Rushmore guy in terms of current quarterbacks, not... All time. Of course, not all time. Maybe someday he will be, but let him earn it first before we get too excited. Jacoby Brissett will not be on that Mount Rushmore. Nick Chubb is a Mount Rushmore running back the way he's going. I think he's better than somebody on Minnesota right now. I think he is right now. 134 yards on the ground, 8 yards a carry, and he had a 41-yard burst with two touchdowns. Not that Delvin Cook was bad today. He was awesome, and he was good last week, too. But, again, there was no burst. The burst just wasn't there for Delvin Cook. He's there's just there's something missing, something missing. I, I don't know what it is, but it's not there. So it is what it is. Only one sack for Cleveland today. Jaco, uh, Jacob Phillips, good for him. Chargers had literally no sacks. Uh, Thirty to twenty-eight barn burner between the two clubs. Almost sixty points. Is, you can do simple math there. Cleveland did lead super late in the four, uh, third quarter, but LA's defense finally took over. Did something. And the Chargers end up winning the game on a field goal for Taylor Bertolet. That's a cute name. 27-yard chip shot. The Chargers could not get in the end zone fairly early in the fourth quarter. Both teams struggled to get things going in the fourth quarter in a very, very high-scoring game. Kind of weird. But it's like, okay, now we'll play defense. Stop screwing it. You know, stop letting all these guys do whatever they want. Now you can play defense. There's another running back who did really well as, as well in this game. Did even better than Nick Chubb, at least in terms of yardage. 173 yards on the ground, 71-yard burst when a touchdown. Joshua Kelly also 49 yards on the ground. Looks like looks like running against the uh, Cleveland Browns isn't the dumbest idea in the world. Mike Williams as well, 134 yards in the air, did not get in the end zone. Austin Eckler had both touchdowns. Total yardage of just oh, oh my God, 199 yards. Ah, oh, he needed one more yard to get total yardage of 200. Yards from scrimmage in the game, but two touchdowns total for Austin Eckler. Congratulations, fantasy owners of Austin Eckler. You probably won, but maybe not. Maybe you had Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler, and you were dancing on the moon. But uh, we'll see. Detroit, New England, not yet. Of course, Green Bay and New York in 
London will see if Green Bay loses again next week as well if they're if they continue the uh, down streak there. New Orleans and Seattle. This used to be a really good matchup. Remember? Well, this was high scoring, crazy. So New Orleans is back to scoring points. Their defense can be dangerous, but they weren't that good today. If they give up thirty-two points against Seattle, Seattle. I don't know who they are, or what they are. They're interesting. I'll leave it at that. Andy Dalton efficient, but not great. But Taysom Hill also had a one had one pass for a twenty-two yard touchdown on those cute trick plays that the uh, New Orleans Saints are known to do. Taysom Hill also ran for a hundred and twelve yards and three touchdowns. He would have been one of those awesome little pickups, and you have him on your fantasy team at the very end, and you just throw him in at the last second. What the hell? Let's see what happens. Seattle has a crappy defense. And you get four touchdowns out of it. Four. Four touchdowns. One passing and three rushing. <laughs> three rushing for Taysom Hill. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Who'd have thunk it? Who would you rather have? Alvin Kamara or Taysom Hill? And if, you're a, if you have New Orleans Saints players on your roster, who would you rather have? You know, Taysom Hill. At least today. Jeez. Kamara also had uh, 91 yards receiving to go along with his 103 in the air. So... What the hell? He had almost 200 yards. Incredible football game for the New Orleans Saints in that sense. Andy Dalton just was a game manager, and that's about it. Geno Smith did throw for three touchdowns. Extremely efficient. Extremely efficient game. He's starting to look better than Russell Wilson. Who would you rather have, Seattle? Russell Wilson or Geno Smith so far this year? Um, maybe Geno. I might lean towards Geno. He might be performing a little magic, just like the little character in uh, Super Mario RPG. Um, yeah. Damn, he's got nine touchdowns on the year and two interceptions. Uh, he, well, and a quarterback rating was 108 going into this game. Think about it. It's going to be higher now. Again, Seattle fans, who'd you rather have? Geno Smith or Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson, it was like unhappy and kind of a, you know, a little biatch behind the scenes from what I hear. Yeah, well, they lost the game though, so I guess you can't get too excited. Will Lutz is what he is, one of the best kickers on the planet, a 56-yard field goal, and he made all the four of his extra points. And Jason Myers missed an extra point, but he made a 56-yarder as well. Man, these kickers ain't kick, ain't messing around anymore. Like, both punters are just great. Multiple touchbacks, no in the 20s. Jeez. Averages of, like, 46, 47 each. Jeez, man. Cameron Jordan, a sack and a half for the victorious Saints. Quadre digs. What's next? Quintruple digs and septuple digs and, and, and octa, octa, octa digs. Ah, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs the eighth. Just kidding. That's what it's like, though. Just like the king of this, King George the ninth or whatever the heck. That's what it's turning into. It's kind of funny. You just keep going and going and going. <laughs> uh, sorry. I can't help myself. <laughs> Entertaining game. And great numbers for certain guys. I mean, General Smith, if he, I, there's almost, I bet there's like no chance he's even a free agent in fantasy football anymore. And I keep talking about fantasy, but I don't play it. I, I play every other sport, baseball, basketball, and hockey. Football is just too freaking, you know, <laughs> it, it's too freaking quirky. You know, like the weirdest things can happen, bounce of the ball, this and that. And, you know, you're, you have this great team all season, and then you get screwed at the last second and you lose the Super Bowl, which I'm just, I just, you know, it, it would ruin your Christmas, which happened to me, like, how many times? I'd have this awesome team go to the Super Bowl or championship game or whatever it is and, and freaking lose. Like, I, I won three championships and lost four. 
That's a lot. That's a lot of Super Bowl appearances. Appearances. I'm kind of like uh, Bill Belichick, huh? All right, but I retired like eons ago. Eons ago, like over a decade ago. So I better shut up and move on. Tampa Bay Schmucks beat the uh, Falcons, the Falcons, 21-15. to Tampa Bay looked like they were going to come out and crush this team, kind of like the Vikings versus the Bears, going up 13-0 and then 21-0 in the third quarter. And then they just kind of let Tampa Bay roll back in, or Atlanta, excuse me, roll back in. But Tom Brady was like, no, 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 Atlanta, you're not going to pull off the miracle comeback against me. I'm the one that pulled the miracle comeback against you. Remember? Don't you remember? Yeah, and they remembered, and they stopped scoring and stuff, and Tampa's defense finally stopped them. Atlanta with, uh, it was a game of runs, you could say. 21 to nothing for Tampa, 15 to nothing for Atlanta. Obviously, too little too late for the Atlanta Falcons. I keep wanting to call them the Hawks, and they got the job done. Leonard Fournette, after his touchdown, held up one of those face signs, whatever, where it's his face, and had fun with the fans. Good for him. That's cute and everything. The best part is, Oh, it's so adorable that, that he did that with a fan. Yeah, it's probably one of the richest people there because think about it. If you're down on the end zone, you probably have a cup. Those tickets probably cost a freaking fortune to get those, especially nowadays. Fournette with two touchdowns in the game, one receiving and one rushing. Good for the bloody, good for the bloody bucks as they won the bloody game. Mm, well. Vikings might be 5-1 next week. Just looking at something, but we'll come back to that. The Commandas lose again. Tennessee Titans are with a Titan-like performance, I guess. I don't know. Not really. Against the crappy Washington team. Is they just The vibe's just not good in Washington right now. 1-4. <clears throat> Interesting uh, maroon uniforms, though. I kind of like them. kind of like them, but they lost. They're the Washington W's still, even though they're the Commanders. They're the W's. <clears throat> Is it still a big W? You know, no more interesting logo, but I don't know. People didn't like it, I guess. Uh, Carson Wentz was actually decent in the game, to be honest, but he had his usual turnover. That's always going to be there. That INT column is always going to have something in it. Always. It's just, it's just the way of life when it comes to Carson Wentz and, you know, Carson Palmer years ago with Cincinnati after the injury. <clears throat> Pre-injury, he might have been the best quarterback in the NFL. Derrick Henry got his 100 again because they had him rush almost 30 times in the game, about as old school as it gets. Uh, Washington, I don't know what's going on there with their running game and their anything else. I'm not really sure. It's a shame. It's a weird team, but they have good defense, to be fair. Montez Sweat with a couple of sacks, and again, they have a defensive head coach, of course. We all know uh, Rivera did a great job with the Bears in the past and was pretty good with Carolina, got them to the Super Bowl and other very talented teams along the way. Jeffrey Simmons for the Tennessee Titans. Equally good defense with a sack and a half for the Titans, but Tennessee wins in a kind of a meh game where nobody scored in the fourth quarter, 21-17. to 17. It's like teams just stopped scoring in the fourth quarter these days. I don't know what's going on. It's weird. Uh, Houston versus Jacksonville. So much for the Jaguars. Yuck, man. You know, they looked so good, didn't they? Now they lose to a winless team today in a, in their house, thirteen to six. Yeah, they lost to the Houston Texans, the Houston cow skulls. That's basically what they are. They're just cow skulls, like dead. You know, something that's dead laying around in the desert. That's pretty much what the Texans are. They won a game, yay, and they have an okay quarterback. Nice little cute draft pick versus Kellen Mond. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence right back to the disappointment he was last year with a couple of interceptions and. I don't know. He stunk. He stunk. 
47 pass attempts and you manage six freaking points with a guy that's looked on as, you know, the next big thing, so to speak, in the NFL. Even James Robinson didn't do jack squat. Come on. Come on, Jacksonville. I thought they were going to get better. Somebody named Travis something. I don't even know how to say that. Atene Jr., huh? Travis Atene Jr. Maybe I'm a complete idiot and he was the hottest prospect in college, but I don't think so. Okay, he was a first-round pick. Yeah, okay, I remember him now. Yes, yes, yes. 2021 draft. Yes, okay, I'm an idiot out of Clemson. Of course, everybody's heard of Clemson and all that, but uh, Travis Atene hadn't done a whole lot. Uh, he didn't even play last year. So that's what happened. He was a top pick, but then didn't play last year with injury and such. So and he's played in four games so far in his young career. Good luck, Travis, and there you go. Way to stick it to your way to stick it to James Robinson, you mean bastards. Because James Robinson was good, but yeah, he's he's okay. Uh, and you can never have enough running backs, and they don't last long, and all that good stuff. Look at Dalvin Cook, 2017 draft. Feels like it's 10 years ago, and it really wasn't. It's only five, so it's kind of weird. Let's get off this game. Who cares? They suck. Neither one's gonna make the playoffs. <clears throat> Six freaking points, though. I can't even believe that. That's garbage, man. San Francisco, Carolina. Very, very, very low-scoring game for the longest time. And then the 49ers finally got serious and ended up blowing out the Carolina Panthers 37-15. to Good job. Well done, young man. It was just, like, so boring. 10-3 to and blah, blah, blah. And they finally scored at the last second at the end of the, uh, the half. And see what that does. See what scoring at the end of a half does. Crazy momentum. Vikings were blowing the Bears out. Looked like it was going to be 37-15. to 30, whatever, 34 to 17 or something, and it ends up being a, a nail-biter again. Crazy, isn't it? I mean, the Bears might have tied the game up. San Francisco has a small lead, like a single touchdown, which it's not a small lead, but it's it's, it's small enough. It's one score. And then they, and then, well, it's the ultimate momentum killer, a pick six. As uh, Emmanuel Mosley Took Baker Mayfield to the house, 41-yard touchdown, which is an absolute disaster going in the half for a Carolina team. Luckily for Carolina, they did score first in the second half, believe it or not, to still make it fairly interesting, believe it or not. And they failed a two-point conversion because they suck. Just, yeah, that's great. Uh, and then next thing you know, San Francisco pretty much took over the game for the most part. It's basically like Jacksonville, or excuse me, San Francisco scored touchdowns, Carolina scored field goals. Simple math there. Major advantage, San Francisco. And before you know it, it was 37-15 and hell with it. Hell with Carolina on go. The 49ers, 3-2 and two now. First place in that NFC West, which isn't as sexy as it was last year, I suppose. With the world champion Rams that we're going to talk about now, who lost at home to the Dallas Cowboys, who are 4-1 and one already. Wow, 4-1 and one, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Cooper Rush, Cooper Rush, you're going to be rushing to the bank the way things are going. Even though he didn't have a great game, but he didn't screw it up. Bottom line, he didn't screw it up. He did good, and he did better in previous weeks. Uh, Los Angeles obviously has a great defense and great pass rush, and then they have a phenomenal offense, and the Dallas Cowboys just got the job done. I mean, good for them. They're 4-1 and one and earned it. Mike McCarthy, you might not have to go job hunting after all. Almost everybody had Mike McCarthy dead and buried, and Sean Payton is the next Dallas Cowboys head coach. I'm not so sure at the moment, but, well, we'll see. Maybe I'm just going to be laughed at. Anthony Barr was that number 55 I was talking about earlier, and he had a decent game with six uh, six tackles, no sacks or anything. <clears throat> a couple sacks for Micah Parsons. 
good for him. Couple stacks for Aaron Donald. Like I talked about, the great pass pressure of the Rams and great overall defense, even though I'm not a huge fan of a lot of those guys. Donald I'm okay with. He just, you know, he's good. He acted kind of crazy last year in the playoffs, but good for him. He wanted that damn ring so bad. So believe me, I'm the same way. I, I get that ring. Oh, my God, I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> like the Vikings win the Super Bowl, that kind of thing. I'm not going to make an idiot of myself, but I'm going to be very happy. Cooper Rush, well, good job. You know, the, everybody's like, oh, Dak Prescott's hurt. Cowboys are done. Mike McCarthy, start packing your bags. Maybe you can coach Jacksonville or something. But uh, or, or the Jets. But the Jets aren't as bad as people thought either. Maybe Jacksonville's the big fraud, and now the New York Jets are the surprise team over there in the AFC. Might be. They just might be the surprise team in the NFC, uh, AFC part of me. The NFC, it's pretty clear who it is. Right now, I think it is the Jets. But we can't talk about them yet. We just can't because they played the Miami Dolphins today. The Miami Dolphins are the last game. So <laughs> Philadelphia is 5-0, and undefeated. They're the best team in the NFL at the moment. At the moment. That doesn't mean they're the best team in the NFL. But at the moment, they are on top of the National Football League. And good for them. They beat Arizona in Arizona in a game where Philadelphia wasn't all that great. 20-17. to 17. And, tw- and in 2017, who won the Super Bowl, right? Who won? Yeah, unfortunately for us. Jalen Hurts, well, he didn't turn the ball over, and he rushed for two touchdowns, showing that athleticism and getting the job done and breaking loose and all that. And again, Jalen Hurts would put the Hurts on the Vikings the way things are looking at the moment if these two teams squared off in an NFC Championship game or something crazy like that. Jalen Hurts looks like he's the guy. Um, might not be the most prolific passing quarterback of all time, but he certainly can uh, do some of that athleticism, at least in his early years in the NFL. He's going to have to improve in his overall game as he gets a little bit older. Dante Culpepper certainly did not do that, though a catastrophic injury doesn't help either. That's for damn sure. Uh, Philadelphia only one sack in the game. Arizona, Zach Allen was able to get one, and a couple guys, J.J. Watt was back playing for Arizona, and Brian Murphy shared another. Not a bad football game, honestly. Two good teams playing good defense. Well, one good team, and the other kind of stepped up, but didn't get the job done when it mattered most. Arizona drops to 2-3, and three, and Kyler Murray continues to be a bust. After a great start to his career, he has uh, quickly uh, regressed, and that's a damn shame, because I really liked what I saw. Cincinnati-Baltimore will be flashing on the screen in a segment number three. Right now, I'm kind of starting a little earlier than normal, slightly earlier, because I haven't eaten yet, and I'm waiting for it to cook. It's one of those kind of things. It's just kind of moving around, switching around. Right now, the San Diego Padres and the New York Mets are flashing on the screen in their wild, wild card uh, decisive game three. San Diego Padres up two to nothing at the moment that I'm watching this in the fourth inning, and they are batting... And I really like their uniforms, how they kind of went back to the old days, but a modern twist to it, and it looks awesome. Good job, San Diego, with the brown helmet and, you know, brown siding and all that, the shirt underneath, and the, oh, I think they, I think it looks awesome. Even the pinstripe look. And the New York Mets, they've worn those jerseys and all that pretty much since they started way back in the day, after teams like the, the Giants and the... Uh, and the Dodgers left many years ago <clears throat> for California. So let's uh, get to the NFC North. Yeah, let's get to the NFC North. Holy cow. Obviously, the Vikings played the Bears, so the Bears are, you know, the Bears are dropping down. Detroit looked so freaking promising for so long, 
And now here we go again. Well, I promised I wouldn't say this, but there you go again. A former president would say, there you go again, Detroit. After being so promising, looking like an absolute threat time and time again, almost beating Philadelphia, should have beat the Vikings. And I hate saying that, but they should have. And then you go to New England, and it looks like Tom Brady's still there, along with some of those other phenomenal defensive players, the New England Patriots. Belichick's still there, but they're not that good. They're 2-3 and three after today's game. The Bill, Chuck, the Bill Belichick Patriots beat Detroit 29-0 to zero today. Yikes. Jared Goff, what happened, man? What happened? He didn't have a great game. Somebody named Bailey Zapp continues to be, or Zappy, or Zapp, or he's zapping the something. I don't know. He's on the scene. He's the third-string quarterback or backup quarterback. or Yeah, he is a third-stringer. And he was a good game manager. He was accurate. 17-21. He did have an INT in the game. But it is what it is. Jacoby Myers with 111 yards in the air and a touchdown from that Mr. Zap guy. Uh, somebody named Stevenson at running back with 161 yards on the ground. Old school smash mouth explosiveness. And the New England Patriots just get their second win of the year, but it was a damn impressive one. We'll see. Maybe things are going to start turning around in New England. And maybe they found some miracle quarterback out of nowhere. Just like this sixth-round pick replaced, uh, you know, the first-round pick uh, Drew Bledsoe many years ago. Um, nah, I don't think so. But you never know. <laughs> Matthew Judson, no, Judden, Judon, with two sacks for New England. Detroit with no sacks. Just not enough. Just not enough. Detroit, what is going on, guys? You might have to start uh, cracking some kneecaps and all that, like you were saying before. Uh Man, Dan Campbell, I'm sorry, man. I, I was, I don't know, I, I feel bad for you. You get snake bit early on in the season, and now down they go again. I feel bad for him. I hope he doesn't end up losing his job at the end of the year, but could happen. The Green Bay Slackers slacked off in London. They did. Maybe they had too much Whitbread Pale Ale. I don't know, or Whitbread Ale, or whatever the hell they call it. Wheat Ale. Whatever the heck it is. It's good stuff. Um... And it wasn't that golden weed. It was like a brownish beer, and it was so good. And the New York Giants defense was great. They are the surprise team in the NFC. So it's going to be one team in New York as a surprise team in the NFC, and the other New York team and the surprise team in the AFC. And they're going to go back-to-back, because obviously Green Bay is like the feature presentation of the NFC North outside of Minnesota, and the opponent we're playing next week play the other New York team. Yes. Four to, uh, they are 4-1 and one now on the year. Their defense got it done where Aaron Rodgers could not complete the passes. They got to him. They knocked him around. And the New York Giants also scored 14 points in the fourth quarter in London. Green Bay was able to get a safety and all that. But outside of that, geez, um, it was not a good day for the Green Bay Packers in London. And if they lose, well, but then again, I guess maybe the team that loses wins, I guess, sometimes. Sometimes the next week. They're not going to win every time. I'm sure they're not undefeated, but crazy. Green Bay was up 10 nothing in this game, 17-3 to at one point, and then they just did not put the Giants away. 20-10, to that's still decent-sized lead. Decent, kind of okay. They kind of hung in there. But then again, they did not put the Giants away, and then things started turning in that fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, Saquon Berkeley rushed down the side and got in the end zone at the corner there over the pylon and was able to score to put the New York Giants up. Green Bay 
was able to get the safety there. Things <laughs> Green Bay was able to get the safety. Um, but that was at the end of the game when things barely mattered. So they were able to get the points out of it anyway. And that was it. That was pretty much all she wrote for the uh, New York Giants. It, it gave the Packers a small little smidgen of a chance, maybe some miracle uh, throw like Aaron Rodgers used to do, where he'd have those miracle Hail Marys, but it just wasn't meant to be. As Aaron Rodgers, as he was throwing the ball, got the ball knocked out, and it was knocked and smashed under the ground and all that, and it just didn't work out. Rodgers was going to, I mean, he looked like he had maybe something to throw to, but ultimately was unable to get rid of the ball in time. As the Giants' pass rush looks like the Giants' defense all over again. And good for them. New York Giants historically knocked the Packers out of the postseason. Obviously, the 2007 NFC title game. And in 2011, a 15-1 Packers team got knocked out in the divisional round by the New York Giants. Pretty damn crazy. 15-1 Packers knocked out in the divisional round. A team with four Super Bowl wins had the greatest regular season of all time. Couldn't even get to the NFC title game because the New York Giants were the 9-7 and seven Miracle Club that not only beat the Packers, but beat the Patriots again and won their second Super Bowl in, what, five years, whatever. Pretty damn crazy. New York Giants, good job. Very impressive. They're 4-1. and one, And guys like, you know, Daniel Jones starting to build a little confidence. Not a great game. Didn't throw any touchdowns, but certainly didn't kill the Giants either. He's another good game manager, apparently. Rodgers was decent, but not when he needed to be down the stretch. Just decent. Aaron Rodgers, A-Rodgers, they call him. Let's talk about the other surprise team in the NFL, another New York club who whooped and crushed the Miami Dolphins today after starting 3-0 and and looking so good. And all that drama and bad news in the Miami Dolphins uh, organization with uh, Tua getting sent back out after a, a pair, after a probable concussion. Sent back out to play in the same game. Comes back just four days later and then gets crushed. I remember last Thursday, Thursday before last, if you know what I mean. And then had that very strange rigor mortis looking hands, which looked terrifying. But sounds like he will play again. And it was just crazy, the whole talk about, oh, oh he's not going to play this week. Like, oh, you know, yeah, oh, no. Yep, yep, we, we just confirmed he's not going to play this week. And you're thinking, well, of course, you'd think he wouldn't, right? That sounds crazy. And now Teddy's hurt as well which is a, a bummer. He was uh, taken off the field as well. Not on a cart, though, but we'll see if Teddy actually plays against the Minnesota Vikings. It was very early. Teddy Bridgewater only attempted one pass. It's just a shame. Maybe the uh, right when Teddy might have had a chance to be a starting quarterback for a little bit here. Down he goes again. Uh, Terry Kill was given the ball seven times, but nothing crazy. Only 47 yards. It was all short plays that just didn't work. The New York Jets defense was able to contain him nicely, and Zach Wilson is back to being the starting quarterback of the Giants, which helps. And he didn't turn the ball over. He was a good, solid kind of a game manager where maybe in a year or so he's going to start showing something. Somebody named Skylar Thompson was the quarterback of the Dolphins today. Attempted 33 passes, and it wasn't a good day at all. Uh, Seventh-round pick by the Miami Dolphins out of Kansas State just this past year. Seventh-round pick. You might as well put John David Booty out there. You might as well put uh, Nate Stanley out there for the Minnesota Vikings in, in that case. That's like a similar type of situation. If you put Nate Stanley or something out there, he's, he's the quarterback today. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? The starters are, are really nice, capable backup quarterback who's from yeah, my, you know, who's from here in Miami's case is now injured. So what are you going to do? It's uh, a damn shame at the end of the day. Miami absolutely slaughtered 
40 to 17. As now we want to look at Teddy Bridgewater for a minute. As again, at Teddy Bridgewater, it's the injury with Teddy. Another concussion. I mean, what more can you say? Another concussion. I don't know anymore what to say. Can I call it this? Is it too soon? Concussion junction? I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not. Concussion junction. It's what it is. It's becoming that. What the devil is going on in Miami, man? What's going on? Another concussion. But that means that he's not playing, probably. And maybe by some miracle from God, Tua will play, maybe. I don't know. But another concussion. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Uh, that's absolutely nuts. So it was an elbow injury as well, and a potential head injury. That's what I thought, because I was like concussion too. I thought it was an elbow. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. That's why I was. That's why I wasn't so. That's why I was so indecisive. So it's a little of both. Yeah. So it's kind of both things happen on the same play. Yeah, he was getting crushed. Oh, Teddy, I feel for you, man. I'd love to see him play. I really would like to see Teddy play, but and for his sake, and he did well when he when he played most of the time. But I don't know, he wasn't real good with Carolina last year, though. Um, mm, oh, Teddy. Yeah, hopefully for the best, but we'll see if Tua by some miracle returns. Elbow and head ruled out for week five. Only got to attempt one pass. You'd think oh, he could beat the Jets, and I think he played there as well, which is kind of funny. Teddy's become a journeyman, unfortunately for him. Um, so who's gonna be our who's gonna be our opponent next week? Is it is it Teddy? Is it Skylar Thompson? Skylar Thompson. Is it Skylar Thompson, a fifth round pick? Or seven, uh, seventh round pick, pardon me. Twenty-sixth in the seventh round. So really one of the most irrelevant players in the draft. Good lord. Miami, you might as well try to sign uh Jay Cutler. I don't know. I don't know. So somebody, some strange free agent out there. That people have forgotten about, like, oh, yeah, that guy, you know. <laughs> Michael Vick. No, I don't think Michael Vick's a little too old at this point. This is nuts. Uh, can't get Kellen Mond, but uh, uh, maybe, uh, maybe, <laughs> okay, I won't even go there. I don't even want to go there. Some of the crazy backup quarterbacks the Vikings have had in training camp, and everyone was all excited about them. New York Jets look really damn good, though, and good for them. They are now 3-2. and two. And second place in the AFC East. They're actually a playoff team if the season ended today, I believe. Yeah, they're in the wild card. Minnesota's the number two seed in the NFC behind Philly. Tampa would be three, and San Francisco number four. Wild card is the Cowboys, all because of stinking Philadelphia and the Giants. My God, what a good division. Five and one Philadelphia, four and one Dallas, four and one Giants. So you might get three teams out of the NFC East. And I trashed the NFC East going into the season, and I look like the dumbest idiot ever, don't I? I look like just an idiot. Ah, <laughs> I look so stupid. Philadelphia, I was like, okay, I guess maybe Philadelphia because like, the Giants suck. <laughs> Cowboys, ah, they're overrated, you know. And and and, and Philadelphia, they're just okay. Maybe they'll win ten games. Might, might might win fifteen or something. I don't know. They're, they're gonna they're gonna win more than twelve probably the way it's going. Um, so much for Miami though. Gosh, Vikings should beat the Miami Dolphins, but. Well, trap game. You never know. Maybe something weird will happen. Maybe he's the next Cooper Rush. Maybe Cooper Rush will, will emerge with Skylar Thompson. 
Nah, they got their butts handed to him, so probably not. Cooper Rush is probably a legit backup quarterback or even a starter somewhere. Um, I'd love to have Cooper Rush as backup quarterback of the Vikings, even though our current backup isn't the worst thing ever. Oh, somebody just followed off his leg. Is it Lindor? Off the jaw. I believe his name is Lindor, right? Yep. Pretty big name of the uh, New York Mets. And the Mets trail 3 nothing. by the way. Following off your shin or whatever. That hurts like hell. Ugh. Shin or ankle, whatever. Mm. Ouch. That sucks. <sighs> Anyhow. The Vikings, hopefully, let's look at history real quick. I'll try not to babble too much. Luckily, it's a lot less, but there's a very significant football game included in this 8-5 and five record, only 8-5, and five, dating all the way back to 1972. The undefeated Dolphins defeated the Vikings 14 and, excuse me, 16-14. to 14. They defeated the Vikings in Met Stadium. A very good Viking team, but the Dolphins were undefeated that year. Not the sexiest football team ever. They just won games. They just won. They had a decent defense, they had a decent offense, and they just won. It was like a balanced team. And that team's defense and their uh, kind of shut down the Vikings. The Vikings couldn't make the stops they needed to with the good running game of the Miami Dolphins in Super Bowl number eight on January thirteenth, nineteen seventy four. The Dolphins start off two and zero versus Minnesota, just one regular season game uh, in seventy two, and then a Super Bowl championship with Don Shula as head coach going all the way back to 1972. They have the box score. Can you believe it? Fran Tarkington, 18 completions out of 28. Bob Greasy only attempted seven passes in the game. Yep, it was all just kind of great running game over and over and over and over and over and over. Fran Tarkington completed 100, uh, had 182 yards anyway. Uh, Larry, yeah, Larry Zonka, that, yep, how can you forget that name? He ran the ball 33 freaking times. Vikings could not stop the son of a biscuit. 145 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Mercury Morris, all these familiar names. The other running back, about three yards a carry, 34 yards. But Larry Zonka was the guy the Vikings just could not bring down. In those key moments, it's third and long, and they couldn't bring him down. Golden opportunities for the Vikings to do something. It just didn't happen. It just never did. Chuck Foreman only ran, or no, he received the ball five times. Good for him. Oscar Reed was actually the leading rusher for Minnesota. Chuck Foreman... Gosh, only 18 yards and seven carries. Yuck. Just yuck. No, Nobody showed up to play. The Miami defense and great running game. You talk about old school smash mouth football. That was the Miami Dolphins during that time. Nothing about uh, Dan Marino and all that with the sexy yards and 9 million yards a year and 40 touchdown passes and all that. No, 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 no. Even though Greasy was a good quarterback and all that. But they're like, no, nah, no, nah, Bob, don't even throw it. We got, we got Larry Zonka and this Vikings defense is just not getting the job done. They literally took it up the tooth to the Vikings in that game. Do you realize that? They attacked the Vikings right in the teeth of their defense. The defensive line is the ultimate insult. Isn't it, though? Isn't that just classic Minnesota sports? The ultimate insult. The purple people eaters. And they, and Larry Zonka got all those big plays. Ay, ay, ay. Ooh, <laughs> Sorry. Something I... <laughs> um... It's just, you know, it's it's heartbreaking, depressing, but it's classic Minnesota sports. Oh, I'm two games in now. I'm not going to babble too much. Vikings, oh, but, but, but two years later. But, 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 29-7 to over the Dolphins in 1976. What do you think of that? Huh? In Miami, too. Yay. Well, we got to the Super Bowl that year and got smashed by the Oakland Raiders and never went back. Next, Vikings lost three in a row to the Dolphins. 79 after I was, what, about two and a half months old? 
September 16, 1979, two and a half months old. Dolphins beat the Vikings 27-12. Uh, Dolphins beat the Vikings 22-14. Three years later, in Miami, Dolphins beat the Vikings again. Six years later, 1988, one of the greatest years ever, Dan Marino at quarterback, 24-7 to in Miami. A great, great uh, year, 1988. Yep, unfortunately, we were uh, saying goodbye to a wonderful president that year, but that's how that goes. <laughs> you know, you can't go beyond eight years, so it is what it is. Uh, September 25th, 94, all those years later, that epic comeback by the Dolphins. Man, it had been since 1988 since we played them. That is insane. So, because I remember that one crystal clear. Warren Moon at quarterback, Dan Marino at quarterback. Vikings were smashing the Dolphins, just crushing them, 28 nothing. We almost lost. I still remember the uh, newspaper. It said, woo, that one didn't get away. And with Warren Moon kind of like, woo, wiping off his forehead like, thank God. Vikings end up winning 38-35. to We finally win a game against Miami, a very talented Dolphins team. Vikings were 3-1. and The Dolphins were 3-0 and at the time. The Vikings end up, uh, the Vikings were 2-1, and pardon me. Dolphins were undefeated, and the Vikings survived, beating a great Dolphins team. I kept hoping that would be the Super Bowl, Vikings-Dolphins, and we can overcome, you know, the loss years ago. Marino had all those interceptions. That's why the Dolphins went down 28 to zilch, and he was screaming at his receivers like he always did. It's always their fault. He was the Aaron Rodgers of that era in a lot of ways, screaming at his receivers, making dirty looks and all that. And then Warren Moon threw his three touchdowns, and the Vikings ended up overcoming the Dolphins. Terry Allen, 113 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Good for him. Yep, all these familiar names. Irving Fryer, Keith Byers, Jake Reed with nine catches. Cool. 127 yards. Ah, ah, fond memories. Fond, very fond. Oh, man. Hikadre Hishmael. Did he have a kickoff touchdown? No, he didn't. Nope. Terry Allen, though. Great, great day running. 113 yards. Like I said, Scotty Graham, the hero in 93. But by about two, three years later, he was barely a name anymore. Um, Marino, again, three interceptions. He struggled big time in that first half. Again, the Vikings went up 28 to zilch. And the Dolphins clawed back and then started tearing the Vikings' defense to shreds in that second half. But luckily, Moon and the club were successful late in the fourth quarter. The Vikings got the job done. Thank God. Uh, it still took a 38-28 to lead. Almost let the Dolphins uh, come back and win that one. But we stopped Marino, and the frustration took over there for him down the stretch. Let's keep going. I'm babbling way too long. This segment's always long, but I enjoy the hell out of it. That's why it's like my pride and joy. Segment number two, Purple Mafia. It really is. I'm sorry. All the years later in 2000, yep, Culpepper ran for his three touchdowns, and the Vikings opened up the season, and all of us were excited. Culpepper didn't throw the ball, but he, but he ran it in three times. His first game ever, and all of us were super excited. The Vikings went on to having... Uh, fun season, only to end in disaster 41 nothing <laughs> to the Giants in the NFC title game. Vikings beat the Dolphins 20-17 to in 20, uh, excuse me, 2002. Mediocre season, but we won a game really late against a not-so-good Dolphins team. The 06 uh, Vikings couldn't beat the Dolphins 24-20 to in Miami. I barely remember that game. But I just remember 2010 was just ugh, that was bullcrap. Uh, Brad Johnson, yep, that was the Brad Johnson kind of mediocre game. Joey Harrington was quarterback of the Dolphins. Wow, yep, I remember now. He lost to Joey Harrington. We lost to Joey Harrington. Wow, I remember that now. Um, yep, 2010. Vikings were kind of getting the season started. 
very disappointingly in 2010. Yeah, I remember Adrian Peterson was stopped at the goal line in the end zone. It was extremely frustrating. Favre was awful. Three interceptions. He looked like crap. It's like you compare Brett Favre's 20, uh, 2009 season prime rib to like a, a bad burger at one of the fast food joints. That's what it was, like a bad burger. Overcooked, a terrible, dried up, nasty thing. You know, Adrian Peterson was stopped at the goal line despite he had 145 yards in the game, but didn't get in when he needed to. And it was freaking frustrating. It really was. Vikings lose 14 to 10. Greg Camarillo. Woohoo. Vikings had acquired him from the Dolphins not too uh, long before that, and he didn't even. Nope, he caught one pass for three yards. Greatest acquisition in the history of the world, baby. Awesome. Just awesome. Vikings lost to the Dolphins again in 2014, 37-35, epic battle, back and forth. Matt Asiata, that, God, I hate I hate the memories of that guy. Uh, he was good in the game, though. I mean, Matt Asiata, give him some credit, multiple touchdowns, 58 yards and all that. He was good in the game. This is one of those annoying seasons where, yeah, this is 14, yeah. Adrian was out that whole year because of suspension and stuff. He would have been great, but you know how that goes. Ryan Tannehill was the Dolphins quarterback still. Great game. Four touchdowns, almost 400 yards. And uh, Lamar Miller, I was a big fan of his as well. Solid performance. Almost five yards to carry. Just under 100 yards. Matt Asiata was great in the game. I think he won the player of the game. Bridgewater solid against his future team there. <laughs> yep. But yeah, it was the Dolphins actually lead 8-5, to five, and that, that's understandable. And recently, Kevin Stefanski's first game as offensive coordinator of the Vikings. Vikings went comfortably over a Dolphins team that was falling off the face of the earth. Yeah, at the time, the Dolphins looked like a playoff contender, or they were, and then they just died. It was like, they can't play. Cousins, first season in Minnesota, decent day. The Vikings offense was just kind of smarter, like getting rid of the ball faster. Delvin Cook was awesome, 136 yards and two touchdowns. And that's the last time these teams played. Latavius Murray also added 68 yards, but it was an extremely disappointing season. But at least a lot of us thought maybe we still had a shot at making the playoffs. Kevin Stefanski as offensive coordinator, but we all know things did not end well in 2018, unfortunately. But at least it was a fun day against a crappy Dolphins team that had, for some reason, quit, despite the fact they were 7-6 and six going into that game. I don't know what happened. And that's the last time we played the Dolphins. Only 13 times in about 50 years we played them. This is uh, matchup number 14. I do think the Vikings went comfortably over this club, even though it reeks of a trap game. Vikings should win comfortably over this club. Right now, nothing's going well in Miami. Guys are getting hurt. Um, things look so positive, And now everything is just falling off the face of the earth. We might have a seventh-round pick as the quarterback against the Vikings. They should win comfortably. Should be able to get multiple interceptions in the game against him. Um, Raheem Mostart could be a huge problem, though. And Tyreek Hill, I'm kind of scared to death of him as well against the Vikings secondary. But they looked better today. It'll be interesting to see Tyreek Hill and uh, Patrick Peterson match up. That could be what's going to happen. Um, I'm not sure that's the best matchup, but the guy throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill is a big problem. Hill doesn't throw the ball to himself, so Raheem Mostar, great game today against the Jets. 6.3 yards of carry and got in the end zone. So, as long as the Vikings can stop the run in this game, because I think they're going to be running the ball quite a bit, depending on who's the quarterback, but I don't think, unless Tua comes back and is absolutely spectacular and saves the day, which I truly doubt it's going to happen. I think the Vikings should be able to win comfortably over a Miami team that's falling apart, just like that team was doing four years ago. 
Vikings win the football game and finally reach 30 points. 34 to 20 over the Miami Dolphins. Yep, 34 to 20. Two touchdown victory for the Vikings. And at the end of the day, I could imagine Delvin Cook running around. Let's see, he finally gets the century mark. I'm going to pick it again. Delvin Cook finally reaches the century mark in the game, but the Vikings win comfortably as well. It's going to be a balanced attack of offense, uh, excuse me, running and passing. Vikings win comfortably by 14 that way, but also I do think that we're going to get some turnovers. It's going to be an overall nice day for Minnesota and taking advantage of a crappy situation in Miami, I think. Dolphins drop all the way down to 3-3 three and three after starting out the year 3-0, and three, uh, three and oh, pardon me, and it's going to be a totally different vibe, unfortunately. It's a damn shame. A guy that might have been a coach of the year might end up being fired at the end of the year because of, you know, how things were handled with the concussion protocol. Uh, he, he may have lost his team already, and that's really sad. Really damn sad. You know, that, that would, that, things look pretty exciting there. Now they aren't. With that, we'll take a quick break and get to fan interaction right after this. London, Joey. Well, it's a Monday morning, the day after the game, and uh, somehow we managed to find a victory from a game that we should have really had wrapped up by the third quarter. But hey, we know what our beloved purple are like. What's quite a relief is though I'm now currently 4-0 in London, as are the purple. Hard to believe we're, what, 39 years plus since the first time uh, the Vikings came to London under the great Bud Grant. Um, and where has the time gone? It's kind of frightening. Uh, luckily, I mean, I have seen many matches, so I, I guess I'm quite blessed in that respect. Anyway, London, um, I think I said to you last time, if you have the time, the money, or as they say in Cockney, Ackers, it's well worth a visit. It's a very different experience from from a traditional game in the US in the sense that the stadia here, which are predominantly association football stadiums, uh, to you guys, that's soccer, you colonials. Um, <laughs> colonials, yeah. Hey, I would have been with you guys if George Washington had been around. It would have been up the revolution because I ain't having my taxation without representation. And certainly, if you give me a big barrel of tea, I chucked it in Boston Harbour as well. Who wants a mad German king to be ruling you? But I digress. As I say, British stadiums are very different. They, they tend to be built in residential areas, so zero parking. Um, you have to use public transport or walk to them. Just watching Kansas City, man, they look good. Anyway, um, as I said, you know, the NFL, the Vikings, the Saints, they, they've all really heavily promoted this over in London. So there's, it's been a great experience in, in the sense that the Vikings came over, or the front office and the cheerleaders came over sort of midweek. Uh, we had a pub in London that was the official venue and you had like Chris Carter there serving pints and um, K-Fans Power Trip did their show from there as well. So very unique in that perspective. Uh, 
Yeah, that was just really, really good. I mean, sadly, I didn't get in until Saturday morning, so it was kind of a mad rush to see everything, get to the pub. Unfortunately, nobody was there when I arrived because it was pretty early. I then dashed over to Victoria, uh, which is a railway station, saw the uh, the Skull bus and got a few freebies, as you do, because it's a, it's a moral imperative. Uh, then trundled round to the South Bank, which is the other side of the river, um, where the NFL put on their their business that day. And again, a highly entertaining couple of hours cheerleaders from both teams doing their business lots of media personalities lots of interviews lots of different things to see you had the super bowl exhibition which was really cool i didn't bother to go in because i'd already seen it a number of times but i say if you have that opportunity it's well worth it game day was quite a pleasant experience as well the um, the uk and ireland vikings fan club um took over a pub about a quarter of a mile from the stadium so we all kind of met there um, I think they were expecting probably about 50 to turn up and about, well, I reckon we had a 1,000 and we ended up taking over two pubs, which was great. We then had a march to the stadium with the drum going and everybody doing the old thunderclap. So that was superb as well. Um, I, I think probably we might have had 10,000 fans in that stadium, uh, which was really impressive. To the stadium, Tottenham have done a fantastic job with their new stadium. It's a multi-purpose stadium. There's not a bad seat in the house. The acoustics were fantastic for an NFL game. Certainly the best I've ever heard uh, outside the US, without a doubt. And I had a fantastic seat. I had one of those seats behind the end zone right up the back, which is in essence where they filmed the coaching film from. So I could watch the plays develop and really savour what was going on. So that that was absolutely fantastic. As as regards atmosphere, I reckon it possibly was 60-40 Saints. Although I think a lot of the neutrals were basically supporting the team that was whoever behind. So um, hence the Saints at times had um, a little bit more vocal support. Um, and unfortunately for me, I was in a section that was pretty neutral, had a few Saints fans around. Um, quite gutted, actually. I'd like to have been with a purple section, but hey, I got a ticket, which is a major achievement. Um, unlike, say, the German game this year. There's a game in Germany, and there were 700,000 people applying for tickets for a, I don't know, 60 or 70,000 seat stadium. So if it had been the purple in Germany, I wouldn't have got there. Now, as to the game, as, as I said, great position to watch how the plays developed. And the first drive was fantastic. You know, eating up a good what, six and a half minutes of the clock, touchdown, and it's like, mm, this is going to be possibly most enjoyable today. Of course, I should know better, shouldn't I, being a, a long-suffering member of the Purple Fraternity. We just left way too many points on the board in this game, which was a great shame. You know, watching some of the players, I mean, for me, the, the edge rush was always going to be a major factor in how defence operates this season. You've got... Uh, Hunter and Smith, and they didn't get a great deal of pressure last week or this week. That that has to be worrying because that secondary does need some support from the front seven to make sure they've, they've got that opportunity. Um, in saying that, I was really impressed with Patrick Peterson today. He made, I think, at least three really outstanding plays. Yeah, he got burnt once, but... You know, he was rolling back the clock or rolling back the years. And I, I was really impressed. In fact, I was impressed with the defence and also special teams. They put us in great field position on a number of times. And offensively, we couldn't execute, which was bloody annoying. Offensively wise, the 
O-line regressed from previous weeks, which was frustrating to see. Cousins, I didn't feel, looked particularly good at all today. The timing wasn't quite there. A lot of time was taken in uh, processing passing plays down the field. Yes, a couple of dropped catches could have made the game a lot easier. But again, you're paying big money to this guy. I expect him to deliver on the money. All we can really hope is that KOC obviously is implementing a new offensive scheme. And we've also got a new defensive scheme. So I guess time is required as these guys come up to speed. And let's hope that they can uh, find a way to improve and start putting more points on the ball because I don't know how the D is going to hold on indefinitely having to keep teams down to sort of 20, 22 points. Looking at the schedule, we have a chance this season to go into the playoffs in a good position that if we can improve our offensive play, we could go deep. Um, we could even make the championship game or perhaps I've jumped too much purple today. Uh, <laughs> but it's feasible. I, I don't see any NFC team beating anybody in the AFC. They, they are just on a different level currently. So, again, I don't expect a Super Bowl. But we make the playoffs. That's an achievement. The question is then, what do you do with Cousins? I, I would like to see... I, well, I would have liked to have seen him gone as well this season... And build around a youngster. Build, you know, use that, that cap money to build a team that's going to be competing in two or three years. Get this gamble, isn't it, as it always is. But I would have felt a little bit more optimistic because Cousins ain't getting any younger and he's not getting any better either. And I think who we should really be thanking for this victory is those lovely zebras today. Because... Um, Man, they missed a couple of key penalties. The the one near the end to Phelan, um, the PI. Phelan put a hand on the face mask and they missed it. And it was like, yes, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, this one's on the refs. So I guess we should uh, be nice to refs for a couple of games until they screw us over again. Let's be honest, 3-1 and one as opposed to 1-3 and three last season feels so much better. Uh, all we can do is savour the season and see where it goes. OK, my friend, I've probably waffled on for, I don't know, feels like hours. You uh, you take care, Skull Brothers and Sisters. Um, let's get a win against the Bears. Or does that feel like a trap game? No, we're going to win. Win by 10 at least. Take care. I'm getting the travel wheels on and I'm off to Scotland. Take it easy. And I can't thank you enough, Dave Martin, Mad Martin, out of Northern Scotland, and saying at the end he's heading back to Scotland at the end there. Very cool. <laughs> oh, just love hearing from you, Mad Martin. Uh, that was an awesome story, and I'm going to try not to babble over it, like, oh, blah, 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 when you actually, you know, you said it so clearly and so nicely, and it's just, it's tough to follow up on that one. I mean, you did such a great job on that. Uh, thank you for the story of, like, you were at the game and how you got there, and all of that and all the history in the past of Vikings playing there and <clears throat> other brands of football over in Britain. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. That is a great, 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 great call in and interesting thoughts of how this team could really do something if the offense does get going. And it kind of did for a minute there. And when it did, it was pretty spectacular, didn't it? When it came to the Vikings versus the uh, Chicago Bears today, it's going to be fascinating to see where this team can go. And four and one is not a joke anymore. 
there's definitely something going on, at least a playoff team. I don't think Super Bowl either, but, well, this team could be a significant overachiever during the course of the season, a la teams like Philadelphia, the Giants, and the Jets, believe it or not. Maybe it's better to be compared to a different team than the Jets, but they're looking good, so it's only fair, right? To the Twitter account where we will hear from Mad Martin out of Northern Scotland. Now, he's going to get a gold, spoiler alert, he's going to get a gold star today. Let's see if somebody ties him, though, if they could get a second one. Cincinnati and Baltimore flashing in front of me, and you also got the New York Mets still and the San Diego Padres. Four to nothing, San Diego in the top of the eighth. San Diego Padres trying to advance to play the hated, annoying, over-everything Los Angeles Dodgers. I, Sorry, I don't like the Dodgers for whatever reason. I just don't. Um, go everyone else in the National League. Braves, Cardinals, Phillies, uh, Padres, Mets. I don't want the Dodgers to win. They're the Yankees of the West. I just, no. Just, just seriously, no. Uh, uh, the, the Twitter account for Purple Mafia, though, so I'll be more polite where I need to be here. At Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show, episode 379, Winning Ugly Works, whereas today it's episode 380, and we'll come up with something here very shortly. I had something earlier, and now I'll get it back, I guess. Uh, Malcolm out of California retweeted. Tanae Brown out of New Zealand retweeted. And Vinrock Vince Germano, a Browns fan and a Los Angeles Lakers fan. I think he likes the Dodgers also. I think so. Doggone it. <laughs> but how can you not like the Padres? Awesome uniforms, and the Mets never changed theirs all the years they've been around. Kind of like the Yankees in a way, maybe minor, minor little tweaks to make it look a little bit more, I don't know, fresh. I don't know, but generally speaking, it's the same uniform they were wearing in 86 when they won their last World Series, the Mets. So, anyhow, I'm distracting my own self here. Sebastian liked it. Thank you very much. As did Gerald. Malcolm retweeted and liked it. So, yes, thank you, Malcolm. You get a (laughs) big thumbs up for that. Let's see. Yeah, but I get all these notifications that I don't necessarily need. Where the heck is the actual mentions? There we go. Yep. Mad Martin loved what was happening. All the Vikings were stomping all over the Bears. He was saying, this is delicious. Or no, no, this was the Giants beating the Packers. That's what I thought. Duh. He said New York Giants. Most I was saying New York Giants, most surprising team of the year by far. Mad Martin replies to, uh, or actually I was replying. Nope, nope, he was replying to me. This is delicious and laughing his head off. Yep. And he said he fell asleep in the third, kind of like how the Vikings crushed the... Uh, St. Louis Rams years ago, remember that? Yep. Daggers the pack. Yep, again, that great defense I was saying. Really something. And yep, I really enjoyed that as well, Mad Martin. I'm sure a lot of Viking fans did. Now we get to today's, uh, the Vikings game anyway, versus the Packers game. Mad Martin says, good opening, scripted drive. Now we see what they go off strift. Yep, it's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting, actually. Yeah, because we saw something very exciting right after that. Cousins got to 13 of 13. He got to 17 of 17 to break the franchise record. Mad Martin says, impressive start. Perhaps we need noon starts every week. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Generally, I I like him. Uh, Mad Martin says, now let's blow them off the field. Time we put 50 on someone, and unfortunately, we didn't even come close, which is annoying. I mean, we didn't even get to 30 still. It's ridiculous. Someone's down. I hope that's not Joe Burrow. Please tell me it's not Joe Burrow. I'm noticing a pink hat here. Yep, they're, so they're bringing some of the pink. No, it wasn't Joe Burrow. Of course, I don't want anybody injured on Cincinnati. It's an awesome division rival, Cincinnati and Baltimore. Now that Cincinnati's a competitive team, 
defending AFC champs, by the way. Malcolm says, you know, I was, he was liking that. I said, this has been fun to watch so far. We need to do this versus the big-time teams coming up. Manmar was pretty pissed, and a lot of us were as well. He says, five-point game. Time for the O to get the foot on the floor and pull away. And, yeah, that was ridiculous. Thankfully, they did after trailing. Matt Martin couldn't believe it either. He says, how the hell do they do it? Come out on fire, and before you know it, they are hot garbage. Holy bleeping hell. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It really was. Matt Martin again uh, finishes up the uh, Twitter section saying, can you imagine if our O could fire on all cylinders for four quarters? That would be fun to watch, but let's be honest. That's that's what it's going to take to beat the top teams with our, with our suspect D. Yeah, yep. I, I agree. Our suspect D, we're not going to beat Philadelphia. We're not going to beat like a Kansas City. Uh, San Diego will be a tough one. Obviously, we're not playing the Chiefs this year, but San Diego we're playing, I believe. I called them San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers. We're not playing Kansas City this year, are we? No. Now I'm blanking. No, 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 we're playing the uh, East, AFC East, because we're playing the Patriots and all them again, the Dolphins, Patriots, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, that's a team that we're going to have a hell of a time with. But maybe by some miracle, the Vikings pull that one off, and that'd be quite impressive. It's it being it's in Buffalo. The Purple Mafia Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Um, you have the Winning Ugly Works. we got a couple of comments here. If I could see them, just save all of them, please. What was happening? Oh, yeah, the Lewis Dean injury. Yep. Oh, that sucks. Eric Mustard says... To, to carry forward my pun from this morning, God did save the Vikings. Like, God save the Vikings. Yep. Hashtag double doink. Eric Mustard out of South Dakota. Mark Carlson says, Great episode, Joey. Thank you for keeping up with this team's crazy schedule. Like you, I will be happy to get back to noon Sunday games. Yep, for sure. Um, very nice indeed. And yep, winner, winner, chicken dinner for me tonight. Yep. We, we won, and it's chicken dinner. No, not every time, but let's get to in-game thread a bit here. Obviously, uh, yeah, I was saying I was 17-17. This has been a true pleasure. Mark Carlson is saying, Bears convert on fourth down. What the? And it's like, it never ends, does it? Yep, and then uh, Mike Dale says, this trend has to be stopped. It's soul-crushing, and that's for damn sure. Mark Carlson said, I've never seen so many teams attempt a fourth down against the Vikings. This must be a new trend, and other teams' coaches believe that the Vikings' D cannot stop them. Facts. Yeah, facts. Mark Carlson out of Iowa. Mike Dale out of the state of New York. Not the city, but the state. Mike Dale says, man, and I think he's closer to Buffalo-ish, basically, Mike Dale. Uh, man, that Mooney catch was a thing of beauty. Yeah, it really was, the, the deep play. Credit where it's due. You're not going to see a better circus catch than that this year. I agree. Yep. Mike Gill says Jefferson is absolutely having his way. There's nothing the Bears secondary can do about it. Kirk with some great touch in his passes. Mike Dill says, well, Vikings are kind of hit and miss. Maybe more miss. Yep. <laughs> when they play on holidays. Yeah, that's for sure. That said, it's Leif Erickson Day, even though nobody really celebrates it, and a day to celebrate a Viking. Maybe it's a sign. Well, eventually it became a sign, I guess. <laughs> they were, meaning they won, I guess. Uh, Mike Dale says, Cook already up to 86 yards on the... F that can't be right, can it? On the first drive alone, did I read that right? No, no. <laughs> it was like 20-something. 
Um, he was stuck at 20 for a while. Did I read that right? Edit. Nope, that was the team's entire yardage. Yep, for the first drive, reading comprehension, fail. Yep, and that's okay. I see some crazy stuff, too, where it's like, wait a minute, that can't be right. And then it's like, oh, okay, it isn't. Usually, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Yep, as they say, Dave Hickey, Iowa, all these guys, Hall of Famers. Dave Hickey says, we better start getting after it again in the second half because they are making a game of it. And, boy, they were, weren't they? They And they definitely made more of a game of it in the second half. Yep, well into the fourth quarter. In fact, all the way to the end, pretty much. Mike Dale says, the defense has completely broken down and let the Bears back into the game. The Vikings don't do blowouts, do they? Tie game on. Dave Vicky says finally scores in the second half and the two point and the two pointer too. Sweet. Now the defense better make a stand. This is a good time for a turnover, and well you called it. You called it. You called it. You called it. Mark Carlson was saying crazy game in London this morning. Dave or Dave responded with, Let's go, G Men, and yep, they did go, didn't they? Mike Deal says, Good, foot on the throat, now bury these bears like they're lying in a cat's litter box. Dave Vicky was saying defense needs to step it up. And Mark says, Dave, the D can't hold on fourth and four. Like, what the hell? Yeah, they can't believe it. Mike Dell says, the old Statue of Liberty play. Love it. No way Zimmer would have had the balls, the innovation or wherewithal to call that play. Yep. Yep, I know which one you mean there for sure. Brett McCarthy was saying Vikings are putting on offensive show. Mike Dell says, now the offense is sputtering. Defense is a sieve. And special teams is becoming suspect. They really were bad. This is their worst game by far this year, wasn't it? Uh, Vikings have lost the momentum completely, and I'm not liking the trajectory of the game. I wasn't either, because football is a game of runs. It really is more than even more than basketball. Like basketball is a game of runs. Football is like a momentum surge. You know, yeah, it's a momentum surge. Like it can just things can change so quickly, and then it's all over. Like, things just start going the wrong way for you after starting off so nicely. It can be a totally different ball game, and you end up losing a game you thought you had in the bag. It's really sucky. But sometimes it's a wonderful feeling going the other way, I suppose. Yeah, it looks like the Mets are done, eh? Down 6 nothing. Yep, this is a day and age where the road team seems to always win these deciding games. It's, it's the darndest thing. Back in the day, home teams always won these kind of games weird i don't know anyhow well the home the only home team to ever play in a super bowl one that was they also had tom brady at quarterback old or not it didn't matter it really didn't uh brett mccarthy says well the bears are the bears that bad or the vikings offense alive all the trick plays yep that was a lot of fun hicks with a deflection yep he had a great day didn't he mark mark Carlson said that brett mccarthy says and kirk is is picked hope yep and kirk is picked hope our defense can stop or get it back yep <clears throat> defense needs to make a stop and then cam dancer you beautiful sob according to mark or excuse me mike dale yep and that was so true it was a great play mike uh, brett mccarthy says that was awesome mike dale replies with i'll take that off your hands if you don't mind yep that was from the announcers there yep so true Mark says, Mark Carlson says, Purple D draws a flag on a deep throw. Man, and Patrick Peterson was a star last streak. Yeah, that was depressing. Ben McCarthy was saying, oh, Dantzler, nice strip. Dalvin 
running roughshod, according to Mike Dillon. And he was, yep, down the stretch there. <sighs> Brett McCarthy says, school Packers lost, must win today. Rodgers gets nailed on the last play of the game. Oh, man, yep, from Mark Carlson. Mike Dale loved it. Superb start of the day, indeed. And it ended up being an overall great day. And Mark says, F this Vikings D has holes. Way to go, Cam Dancer from Dave Hickey. Can't believe 1,900 unanswered points by the Bears. Yep, that was crazy. Wow, impressive drive to take the lead. Yep, that was down the stretch there late in the game. Brett McCarthy couldn't believe it, what was happening. And at the very beginning, Mark was saying, Skull Viking fans everywhere. I don't know why this is... It's like not in order at all. It's all over the place, so I apologize for that. It's definitely not any of your guys' fault that I've been commenting. Thank you so much for all of you that did. Looks like the post-game thread's a little quiet this week, unfortunately. But all the great uh, usual suspects that jump on board, we really appreciate you guys that have. <clears throat> Mike Dale says something I say all the time. Jiminy Christmas. This team is going to send me to an early grave. They just don't know how to do blowouts or even win comfortably. It seems like this team can't put together an entire game. It peaks early, then disappears somewhere around the second or third quarters, then clamps down very late into the fourth. It's a common trend against competent opponents. I don't think this current modest operandi bodes well, I love that word, for any real success for a potentially playoff-bound team. I just... <laughs> modus operandi, yep, I love that. I love it. Thank you. That is so awesome. And yeah, we're not done here at all. Continue from Mr. Mike Dale. Mr. Give me that damn gold star, you son of a gun. It's like the... <laughs> this is like... Uh, I won't even... What is that? That almost looks like... Nah, something I'm seeing on TV. It's not, so I'll leave it alone. Anyhow, it's nothing sticker perverted. Just scary. Okay. Triangles with lights on top. Yeah, I don't know. That's what it looked like for a second, but it's not... Yeah, you fill that in, whoever that knows what that is. Uh, something similar to it. First order of business, Mr. Cam Dantzler Sr. Yep, yep, Mr. Cam Dantzler Sr. After the last second gasp, <laughs> gasp loss reception given up to the Lions last season, it really, really left a bitter aftertaste in my mouth, and I fear that for your future in this Viking secondary. But today, you completely redeemed yourself when I speak or type that the current Vikings team has no clutch players or game winners that step up when the chips are down, you, Cam, decided to step up physically, uh, step up and physically rip the ball out of the receiver's hands as they were marching down the field and declare that I will physically win this game for my team. Not only that, you didn't try to recklessly run it back to the house to extend your own personal glory. You stayed inbounds and only dropped down when an opponent approached, I'm sorry I doubted you, sir. Yep. J.J. and Delvin had a pretty nifty game, as did Kirk. Kind of wish they didn't disappear for large swaths of the game, but this seems to be the case this season so far. Yep. <clears throat> Defense needs a little TLC. Patrick Peterson looked a little suspect today. Yeah, definitely not the player of the game like he was last week. Looks like back-to-back -back weeks, a cornerback was the player of the game. And this is the suspect defense, which is funny, where they both kind of came up big and in big moments. Patrick Peterson was just really good last week in general. It was like a death by a thousand cuts thing. But today, it was Cam Dantzler. Like, I kept saying it to myself, as I mumbled to myself sometimes, saying, this team needs a hero to save the day. And that's how we're going to win the football game. It's going to be some heroic play 
Otherwise, we're probably going to lose the way things were going. And the hero was Cam Dancer today. Let's continue. I'm sorry for going off there. Defense needs a little TLC. Patrick Peterson looked a little suspect today for some reason. The Vikings still have major difficulties against quarterbacks who are mobile. Yep, who are very mobile. Even those that are extremely inaccurate passers. <laughs> yeah, Justin Fields, for all intents and purposes, looked like Mitch Trubisky, Mark II. The special teams also look suspect for the first time this season. All in all, 4-1. and one. Wasn't expecting this at the beginning of the season, but here we are. The Vikings aren't convincing in their wins, even against perceived lesser opponents, but they're, but yet here they are, exceeding expectations, question mark? I don't know, but I'm going to be a Debbie Downer today and command them on their, <laughs> and commend them on their string of results. Skull, happy, Leaf Erickson Day for the Vikings. Cool, cool, cool. Hopefully I'm pronouncing everything correctly there, by the way. Mark Carlson says, I love it when the team comes out hot and scores a bunch, then does nothing until the end of the game. Not. Yep, I, I love it. Oh, yep, there's the Buffalo Bills game. Jeez, make it look easy, why don't you? Oh, the Pittsburgh defender tried to rip it away from... It wasn't Diggs. It was number 13 there for the Buffalo Bills. There's next week's opponent getting slaughtered by the New York Jets and their awesome helmets. Awesome helmets. <laughs> yeah, I like the Jets. Can you tell? I like the Jets. I, I love their... Yeah, and I like the Giants, too. Both of them have that metallic uh, helmet look. I love that. Where it's kind of like a... It's that reflective kind of look. I just... It's awesome. It's it's metallic blue and metallic green. Oh, so cool. Yep. And, of course, the fact that the Giants always beat the Packers. I mean, how can you not have a little bit of a closet New York Giants fandom in you? Plus, it's another team that kind of brings you to the good old 80s. You know, the Giants were really good in the 80s, weren't they? Remember? And the super early 90s. You know, it was, a, it was a better time, damn it. It really was. Sorry if I'm sounding like an old curmudgeon. I want the I want the 80s and the early 90s back. Well, I do. And I am an old... And if that makes me an old curmudgeon, so be it. Dang it. Leland Albertson out of Iowa, of course. He's a Hall of Famer as of last year. And always was. Dang it to all of you that are. Always were, if you know what I mean. Because <laughs> you really were. Uh, Leland says, the opening drives in this in the game was textbook. That steal at the end was awesome. Made mowing the yard today a pleasant experience. Oh, I bet. Yeah, go right afterward. And, and plus, the, the, you know, the solid, solid weather today was a pleasant experience to go along with it. And the beautiful fall colors. And now I'm getting obsessed at looking at maple trees and stuff. I'm getting weird now. Dave Hickey jumping on board here again. Where, why is this not doing what I want? Okay. Says, what has happened to Thielen being a red zone threat? I get that JJ is the main weapon, but come on. Can someone else get some love? I thought Thielen and Cook were going to have big games, so I got half, so I got it half right. Way to go, Delvin. Jefferson has got to be the Targeton Award winner, and it feels like Kirktober again. Yep, Kirktober's always good in October. Yep. Kirk Cousins good in October, yeah. Probably the defense again for the ponder. You just can't let the Bears of all teams score 19 unanswered points to take the lead. Thank God we didn't blow that game. A huge shout-out skull to the Giants. Yep, see, there you go. For their improbable win against the hated Packers. And yeah, the Giants are 4-1 and one now. They might be a team we'd have to compete with in the playoffs. No, I don't know. We'd have to probably go far into the playoffs to play the Giants, but then again, maybe not. Maybe they'll be, a, maybe they'll be the road team Versus us in a wild card game, but 
Watch out. I wouldn't take them lightly. Um, the Jets and the Giants. It's nice to see both of those teams do well. In baseball, you might have gotten sick of the whole idea when the Mets and the Yankees were both good, but mostly the Yankees. I, I don't know. The Mets are okay. I don't. There's nothing wrong with the Mets, really, other than beating the Red Sox in 86. That was disappointing. Very disappointing. Other than that, though, I mean, I don't know. 69 Mets were like an America's team type of thing at the time. At the time, beating one of the dynasties of, like, Oakland and beating dynasties like Oakland and Baltimore and uh, Pittsburgh way back in those days. Yes, yes, I have knowledge of the history of baseball that far back, even though I wasn't really around in 1969. Josh Mayer Henry out of Colorado says, so yeah, they did let the Bears back into the game. And, and great to hear from you, Josh, by the way. I hope you're around again now and don't disappear. Please hang around. <laughs> you were, yep, and I miss Justin, too. Uh, I'll start over. So, yeah, they did let the Bears back into the game, and the last two games were also close ones. But that being said, they lost games like these last year. Yeah, they did. Yep, they lost them. That's the difference. This year, they're winning them. Ugly wins are still wins. Last year, the Vikings had big leads and a lot of games and lost almost all of them. Big improvement so far this year. Uh, I know we all would like to sit back and watch the game and not have to worry about giving up the lead. But look at all the games this year. are uh, A lot... Let me see. But look at all the games this year. A lot of them are... Yep, yeah, it's them. There's just an M missing. Are really close, and lots of teams have given up big leads and lost the games. I would like to see the run games used a bit more, but overall I'm happy with the team so far. We hold a strong lead in the division right now, believe it or not, right? With wins over everyone in the division. Isn't that cool? So we are effective. So we effectively have a two-game lead over Green Bay right now. Okay, yeah, that's true. So we officially cannot get swept by anybody in the division. Anybody cannot get swept. We could actually clinch a victory slash sweep over anybody in the division, including the Green Bay Packers, the next time we play any of the teams, which is, that's a really big deal, actually. Division records count in a huge way for playoff seeding. Let's not forget, that's what cost the Vikings in 2017, uh, where we officially could not have a home field advantage in the uh, NFC that year. And, of course, way back in 2009, we screwed that up by losing to teams like Arizona and Carolina. That didn't help. And also losing to the Mickey freaking Bears. That was the game that really blew it. A divisional game against a really bad Bears team with a wide receiver who was like the fifth guy on the roster. He was Emir Morissette, you know, Smith Morissette of the Chicago Bears that year, and he ran for 153 yards in that game. And then he joined the Vikings, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, that was, he didn't do a whole lot the next year with the Vikings, did he? Okay, I'll shut up. I went back into that rant again. Mark Carlson says, yeah, but great take there, uh, Dave. That was awesome. Uh, Mark Carlson says, no, Josh Mayer Henry. What am I saying? Yeah, Dave had a good one, too, right above him. Yep, Dave, Josh. Jeez, you guys are all just doing an awesome job. You guys are so good for this show. You don't have no idea. Mark Carlson says, leaving teams hang around must be a Viking trait. Why can't we just drop the hammer on teams? In the first quarter, I thought we perhaps were going to take the Bears to the woodshed. And it sure felt that way. He says, sorry, Dylan Richardson. Yeah, I miss Dylan. I miss Dylan. Yep, hopefully, hopefully he's still listening just in case on that one. Yep, Dylan Richardson, Bears fan from Northern Cal. Kind of, kind of, kind of by Sacramento, but not really. You know, kind of. Yeah, that's where it's closest to a Sacramento-ish. Sacramento and San Francisco-ish, kind of the Northern Cal area. Dave Hickey says, 
I can't believe we let that one get that close. I was really scared about this being a trap game. I almost was. We should have put them away, but true Vikings tradition, you got to let them back in the game. It's never easy being a Vikings fan. Very true. Very true. It would be scary to be a Dolphins fan right now, wouldn't it? I accidentally posted a picture that was supposed to go to Joey's uh, weather spy photo. So if you like pretty weather pictures like this, this was not intentional for me to like say, oh, if you like this, go to go to the page. But I don't know, what the hell. Like I kept trying to delete it on the app and it wouldn't do it. And I figure it's there long enough, it would look weird to delete it. So if you like pictures like this or ones that are even more interesting, Check out weather, uh, Joey's Weather Spy Photos. Give that a follow or like or whatever on Facebook if you could. I, that's one of the things I do as a hobby. Take pictures of nice weather and all that. Final, you know, like clouds and stuff. I'm a cloud freak, you could say. And I already did the Ben Gessling thing. Nobody commented on it for some reason or even liked it. I don't know if kind of maybe nobody, maybe nobody even saw it. Who knows? But with that said, better start passing out the awards here. We'll see. Um, also, an announcement I'll just say here, Timberwolves Explosion is now joining the Basketball Podcast Network. They're from Canada. Awesome people. Uh, Kyle was the guy's name that, uh, Kyle Manfold is the guy that I'm in contact with. And uh, I think it's from my friend Isha Jerome, who's like basically, I believe he's one of the founding fathers of that page. Kind of still a younger guy also as well. Um, started off with the Hockey Podcast Network and then they branched into the Basketball Podcast Network. Timberwolves Explosion is joining that. So very, very exciting. Rules Explosions actually leaving Hipcast, kind of, sort of. Like, the old shows are still on it, and the new ones are being uploaded to Megaphone. So the download speeds might actually be a little bit faster because Megaphone's a little newer. I love Hipcast, uh, partially because they're such nice people, and even though it's a really old page, uh, Purple Mafia is probably not going to go anywhere anytime soon. We'll see. But obviously, again... The feed, nothing changed with the feed other than you might even be able to download it faster. And you'll be hearing ads of uh, from DraftKings, which maybe you know, that page might love to have Purple Mafia on it for that reason, because football and DraftKings sounds like a pretty good combination. So he even offered it. Uh, I think Brave the Wild will be joining it. We'll see for the hockey. I mean, that's really what they are all about, the Hockey Podcast Network. Basketball Podcast Network was just kind of a recent add-on and kind of a cool idea. So I'm proud to be a part of that, but... I just might take up his offer about the Wild for the Vikings. I'm not sure they really have a football podcast network yet, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure where that came from, or maybe he didn't mean that uh, this show. I don't know. And freedom of thoughts not going on that page. I don't. Uh, Hipcast, don't worry, you're not losing my business. Freedom of thought will remain on Hipcast probably forever, unless they don't want it there. Because yeah, <laughs> that's the other show I do. That's kind of a secret show, kind of sort of. I don't market it a whole lot. Um, I don't really market anything a whole lot, honestly. You, you guys have just uh, been wonderful to me for so long. So I'll pass out the awards for this episode. Gosh. Dave Martin with the probably as good a call as you could ever have on this show, ever. So how does he not get a gold star? Uh, and Mike Dale, just his unbelievable writing. <laughs> it just, you know, and modus operandi, all these words. I just love those words. They're so cool. How does he not get a gold star? So it's just, <laughs> I have to give it to both of you. I have to. It's like, and I hope that doesn't cheapen it for either one of you. I'm guessing no. A lot of you guys in the Purple Mafia family have been great teammates with each other. And you, both of you guys are like Mount Rushmore, man. I mean, you're that good. Uh, you know, Mount Rushmore level. I mean, and 
then again, I mean, see, I would never do a Mount Rushmore because I, I don't want to put a disservice to anybody that, are, that oh, but this guy should be there too. And then that guy, oh, shoot. There's only like four spots for a Mount Rushmore. So I better keep my mouth shut about that. But again, like Mount Rushmore level, yes. No doubt about it. Um, so with that said, that's two gold stars there. Silver star, sterling silver, beautiful gold-plated sterling silver star to... It's going to be, gosh, I keep like slipping here. Dave Vicky for sure has to get it. Justin Mayer, Henry, yep. Mark Carlson has to at least bring in a bronze. Um, just, oh, man, you guys are the greatest. And uh, Brett McCarthy. Brett McCarthy has to bring in a bronze, too. You guys are all the greatest. I can't thank you enough for all of you. You know, Brett McCarthy, all those posts during the games and such, he just keeps up. He's, he's you know, usually the first to post. I mean, that's why he got in the Hall of Fame as quick as he did. Um, so, I mean, I recognize every one of you guys. You know, I, I loved hearing from uh, Todd Vandermeer. You know, like, uh, he pops in every now and then. Patrick Grant, you know, guys like that. They, they don't always post. But I think you're out there listening. Probably. Some some people, maybe they're just posting on Facebook pages. I don't know. But I hope so. Like the Todd Vandermeers, the Patrick Grants, the Cedric Paulding. You know, I mean, I know he's listened in the past. Awesome guy, you know, <laughs> war damn eagle, right? I like Auburn. The only game I cheered against Auburn was when it was the Gophers in the Outback Bowl, and I'm sure he wasn't too happy about that. But, yeah, well, the Gophers finally won something because they just, yeah, they, they they just don't. At least they haven't, you know, they're like the Detroit Lions of college football, a dominant team 60 years ago. But ever since, not so much. You know, like, oh, my God, they actually won a bowl game. Wow. A Jan 1 bowl game? That's insane! You know, that was pretty crazy when the Gophers football team, of course, won that game. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I gave out the little news about the Timberwolves Explosion joining the Basketball Podcast Network. It's exciting. Um, yeah, it's very exciting. We'll, we'll see what happens. Megaphone, it's it's interesting. Uh, it feels like things aren't really clicking 100% yet with the, uh, you know, where it tells you how many shows have been downloaded. Yeah, Timberwolves Explosion season preview, which just came out, I would, and I highly recommend that for basketball fans, or even if you're just a casual fan, check it out. I mean, that, and then that team is going to be so much fun to watch and cover this season. You guys are going to love that team, and hopefully you'll love the show as well. Timberwolves Explosion, just uh, you know, it's, it's just in the same podcast app that you're using, at least, and it should be. And if it's not, it's not. Let me know. For some reason, something isn't connecting. Because, yeah, the download numbers are, you know, astronomically low. <laughs> Which, you know, with the new, uh, with this new megaphone, this is the, you know, new podcasting app, whatever. Um, well, not app, podcasting site that uploads the... So, I'm thinking it's just not capturing all the downloads yet, and it will eventually. Because, yeah, season preview is not going to be this low. And this is a better website. It's probably not all caught up yet. That's all it is. Um because it's brand new. It's, like, brand new. I joined it, like, minutes before I uploaded the show, pretty much. So, it's probably not all caught up yet to, caught up to par. Stu enough about me. I'm babbling about myself, and this show's way too long. Please do write a positive rating on any of the shows, on Purple Mafia, anyway, on any of the apps, if you can, the ones that give you, let, let you do a review, especially Apple Podcasts. Thank you, all of you, for being so loyal and so great to the show. Hopefully the Vikings can continue and get to 5-1 and one next week, and I think they will. <laughs>